Never mind. You can put it back in. <laughs> She's like, do you just want to do top stuff? And they never, they never clarify what that is, but we all know somehow what that is. Yeah. <laughs> podcast where a lot of great ideas go absolutely nowhere my name is joel tyree and with me as always is my esteemed co-host the tim gerard hello hello tim hi joel was it ever timothy when do you make that when do you cut that umbilical cord uh well what's funny one of my uncles my godfather actually years and years ago used to call me timothy yeah, like, I, I mean, most people, I, I think it's just, it's my full name. So I feel like most people who have a, a long full name and enough of a, you know, nickname that's common, like they don't call them, you know, like, like Joel isn't short for anything, right? That's just it. No. It's just Joel, right? Yeah. <laughs> I have had my name lengthened, which is very strange. <laughs> to what? Jolifer. People okay. call me Jolifer, which is, I, I actually took that as a term of endearment. I always hated Jolie because when I was little, like, girls that i liked who bullied me sang a song with jolie in it and it wasn't great um i also like how you just pivoted into the nomenclature of your name like (laughs) as if you were in on the fact that i had prepared that opening which i definitely (laughs) did so thank you for humoring me in that respect no i wish joel was was short for something i i canonically don't like my first name that's why I introduced myself as Joel Tyree on this podcast rather than my real last name because I hate the way they run together. Mm. Oh yeah, with the the double L's. Yeah, it's not great. Yeah. You sound like Joe Lewis. My my real name right. is Joel Lewis, and it sounds like I'm talking about an aged, departed boxer right. from what the 40s. No, that's too far back. 60s. I don't know. Time is a lo- is an illusion. Yeah, I don't follow boxing. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't follow boxing. Yeah. <laughs> Although what's funny is more more people actually call me Timmy, uh, especially like back you know back in Rhode Island. Oh, like that would have been of, like South Park Tim. Like that that's definitely yeah. like your your bell curve goes through that one. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's and I, I mean I think it's also like you know well well first of all like I think you know a lot of my aunts and uncles you know because I I was a child most of the time that they knew me, you know, so it's just, that's just kind of stuck. So like, yeah, like a lot of my aunts and uncles like call me Timmy. Um, and then I think it was also kind of like, you know, with a lot of my friends, I was one of the, the younger ones, like not the youngest, I don't think, but definitely also like acted young. So I think it's just kind of like that stuck. And then like when my cousin had his kids, it was like, Oh, Timmy's coming over, you know, so they call me Timmy. So it's just kind of like this, you know, or like uh, now that I have like nieces and nephews, you know, they, they call me Uncle Timmy. So it's like, you know, that that's actually way more common. Like, I, I you know, I could probably, you know, count the amount of people who call me Tim versus like, you know, who calls me Timmy and, you know, and that's, gotcha. you know, but, but it's fine. You know, and it's one of those things that was kind of like, okay, like, 
kind of an adult, but it's like, yeah, whatever. You know, it's like, if I ever call on my friends and I leave a message, I'm like, Oh, Hey, it's Timmy, you know, give me a call back when you get a chance, you know? And it's like, it's like, that's what they call me. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I got J man when I was little, my parents called me J man, which was kind of affectionate uh, or Hoel, which, which was fun, like a mm-hmm. little appropriative, but it, it's a biblical name. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my favorite is the hyphenate Joel. Yeah, uh, it's like a Kryptonian is, yeah. version of your name. So yeah. I, I never had problems with that one. I have a, a colleague who works for the English department who still like in emails will say Joel and write yes. it out phonetically, which <laughs> I, I like that one. But like, it's just, it's an odd name. There's only a handful of us on the earth at any time. Mm. And it's weird. It's like you chose the shortest book of the Bible. <laughs> to name somebody and it's all about locusts there's nothing else in that book i've read it it's three pages long and it's all about locusts i don't get it i'd like that we front loaded this episode yeah. with the idea that went nowhere like just like yeah. naming just in case <laughs> well if you ever write like your memoir someday you can call it the book of joel That's or the book of is. joel you could go that route yeah. That's something <laughs> from all of our podcast followers. Like that'll be, that'll be the audience for the eventual book. <laughs> right. I mean, if we haven't already lost them, cause they're listening to this going, wait, I thought this was Motormouth. What, what is the, did I start Who the wrong podcast? Fuckers? We know what your name are. Names are go ahead. <laughs> um, okay. Two topics enter insanity leaves. It's already gone. Like we're, it's well past that point. Uh, Tim, what did you bring this episode? Well, uh, since the topic I wanted to bring, I've got to wait on you for, so we'll get to that hopefully next time. Uh, I decided, yeah, <laughs> well, not, not, not so much a guilt trip, just, just a reminder that, you know, I have something in mind, so, so get on it. So we can My talk topic about it. next time depends on you watching this shit. <laughs> uh, so I decided to, to go, especially after last time, to go a little more, a little more lighthearted, a little more, um, you know, kind of uh, fun. So we're, we're going to talk about Lego. Oh, shit. That's okay. Every time I'm nervous. I'm every time nervous. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're like, Lego. Lovely. I am so excited for that. <laughs> it's like, what do you think? Sometimes I'm going to be like, this week I want to talk about Joel's sexual history. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> funny that you should mention that that's <laughs> what my topic <laughs> no that's that's for sure patreon content <laughs> that's right that, or maybe even uh, uh what's the um the what's that thing that's now only fans like, only fans thank you i could think, yeah <laughs> follow us now on moto mouth pod on only fans <laughs> i'm afraid to see what that is let's not google that yeah i know Okay, um, I kind of wanted to discuss, it's odd, we were talking before the podcast that was kind of adjacent to this, was like, I'm, I want to talk about filmmaking. Oh, and nice. I'm, I'm really interested in it, and as I've been kind of continuing to be up my own ass about watching, like, art films and, like, stuff from the Criterion Collection and getting more eclectic in my taste for filmmaking-wise, I'm wanting to try my hand at it. And I'm I'm oh, nice. just interested in like discussing with you uh, two guys talk two white straight men talk about filmmaking. <laughs> Where have we heard that before? <laughs> um, but look, no, just kind of like I I I think it's an intriguing concept and something. It's it 
also with our backgrounds and like we're creative in lots of different genres of things. So kind of talking about like starting something new when you feel inadequate in the ones before. So like just I, also like influences and kind of the thing, like I, I thought it was just like filmmaking as, yeah. as a new endeavor, something for us to talk about a little more free form. So, yeah. yeah. Great. Sweet. So Lego. Yeah. I was, you know, I was trying, I was kicking around like what, you know, what, what, what else is kind of going on, you know, cause I have a, I have a list of, of topics to bring if I ever run out, but I always try to think of like, okay, is there something kind of more, current that I'm, you know, thinking about. Um, and I was talking to uh, one of my brothers-in-law yesterday who he, um, he'll, you know, on Instagram, he'll take, you know, he'll take like Lego minifigs and he'll put them kind of like out in nature and kind of take pictures. And it, it's nice because it, like what I was saying to him, what's, what's forgiving about nature is that the ratio of the size of nature to a human is probably very similar to the ratio of the size of nature to a Lego minifig, you know, like a minifig is a lot smaller than a human, but nature is just so big that if you put a, a, a minifig with like a picture of, you know, the, the, the beach and the, the sunset in the background, like you're not going to get this sort of like awkward perspective, you know, the same way you would if you put a minifig next to a car, you know, That's like cool. obviously that car is way, you know, so it's like, he'll do a lot of like minifigs in kind of just nature. And it, it, you just kind of get this sense of like, them being in the world, you know. Does he have um, it on Instagram? Does can we plug his yeah. his handle? Um, yeah, also, let's do I that. Want to Let me. Oh, what's funny too is my my sister, his his wife. Um, she currently she recently changed her name on Instagram to "It's Your Boy Skinny Penis." <laughs> <laughs> That's a little dicky reference, right? I mean, it's. I mean, I don't know. I, I know the vine where the guy's like, "Haha, it's your boy, uh, skinny penis." Like, <laughs> I know that. I don't know if it came from anything before that, but I remember. I know that. Pretty um, sure that's a little dicky reference. Okay, but that originally wasn't her name, and then she changed it, and I was like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> <laughs> it's such a long handle. <laughs> it's why it was still available. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so it's it, I'm gonna spell it. It's it's Brickstall underscore picks. So B is in boy, R I X T O L underscore P I C S. Brickstall picks. Yeah, and uh, he actually I'm looking at it now really quick. He's got like you know mini figs of like him and my sister that are really cute. And actually for their wedding, they had done mini figs of um, all of the guests. Oh, so that was kind of that was kind of how you had to find where you were sitting. I think you knew what table you were at, and then they just had the mini figures, and you had to find which one was you. I'm totally um, bringing this up on Instagram. Yeah, and you'll love this too. He actually got a friend set. So there's there's a few pictures that's Joey and Chandler's apartment. So you can you can check those out as well. This isn't even a podcast anymore. We're just like yeah, <laughs> <laughs> looking at shit. So, so anyway, so I was talking to him yesterday and it was kind of just, you know, getting me thinking about Lego again. And, you know, we had talked about some of the stuff that, um, and I, I, I can't oh, remember these are which. awesome. Yeah. These are really cool. Yeah. And, I mean, he's, he's also in the process, I think, of building kind of his own Lego city that he'll, you know, um, you know, kind of have like little situations, little characters and stuff like that. And he also does, uh, I think he also does some, uh, some DM for, for D&D. Um, you know, so he's, you know, he's got, I think, stories kind of behind a lot of these. So, um, so yeah, so it just kind of, you know, it was, it was neat to talk to someone who I don't normally talk to about Lego and, and, you know, kind of someone who kind of, uh, 
has his own thing going on, you know, as opposed to like, you know, like I'll sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll talk to Krista about Lego and she's, she's supportive and interested, interested because I'm her husband, but she doesn't really do her own stuff with Lego, you know? So, um, so just to kind of see, and, 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 you know, that was kind of, and that was part of it too, is just the versatility of Lego, you know? And, um, you know, and, and that's the thing too, like Krista will watch, like, you know, there's, we, we recently watched, I think it was on Netflix. They're, they're, they're building some, they're designing some like Lego center, some building that some architect designed where it's basically going to be like a museum slash, you know, playroom, you know, fully like integrated, you know, you can go in and build your own stuff and whatever. And they're doing this giant tree that's built out of Lego and stuff like that. Um, so like, you know, she'll watch stuff and she finds it like interesting. Um, but, but yeah, like, you know, and, and, and that's kind of what I like about it. It almost kind of reminds me of that, that realization I had with, with Star Wars, where it's like different people are into Star Wars for different reasons, you know? And, and I think with Lego, it's the same way, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm actually not as much into the building, but when I do, it's usually like, I want to follow the directions, you know? Right. And it's kind of funny because one of, one of my nephews is act like the, the oldest of, of my nephews. I have two nephews and two nieces. So the oldest nephew, he's very much into Lego. And my, my sister is very encouraging about him, you know, being a master builder, like from the movie, you know, like to kind of be very creative and, you know, they'll send me pictures of stuff that he's just sort of built on his own. And it's just like, wow, damn, like, I don't even think I could do that because like, there are no instructions, you know, <laughs> but like, you know, I, I like doing it for me. It's almost like a meditation, you know, where I'm not thinking about what I'm, you know, what I could or should be doing or making decisions. Like, I think maybe that's what I like about it is like, you know, when I'm writing music, I've got to make a ton of decisions and nobody's making those decisions, but me. So it's nice to sit down with an instruction booklet and be like, take these pieces and put them together. Yes. <laughs> yes, sir. Or yes, ma'am. Yes. I will do that. Thing. And the, you know, the stakes and, are so much lower than Ikea instructions. Like, right. Yeah. Right. Like these don't have to support weight. <laughs> like, right. And when you end up with extra pieces, you're like, oh, okay, good. This doesn't matter. I'm glad I have these way. Yeah. Right. So have you watched the, the toys that made us Lego episode? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When, when yeah, that was saying, a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. It's been a while. Like I snatched those up. Like once I watched yeah. them, I watched all of them. Like mm -hmm. it's fascinating. But, I love yeah. the My Little yeah. Pony one. Like that one is so intense right. and so specific and so aggressive. Like everybody's really, <laughs> really proprietary about My Little Pony as well. They should be yeah. it's a fine product. Right. We're sponsored this week by. Um, uh, so, okay. Let, let, let's, let's go back in time. Lego, your history with Legos. Cause I think oh, okay. my, like, let's, let's talk origin stories with Legos. Yeah. So um, I remember like as a, as a young kid, I had, and I, I was actually talking about this recently too. I actually had one of the sets with the actual like Benny from the movie, the blue space suit man yeah. with the broken helmet. <laughs> like I, I had it. And one of the last times I was at my mom's house, like I was up in her attic, like looking through all my old toys and I pulled out like all the old Legos and I found most of the set that came with it. It was like this little moon rover kind of vehicle. Yeah. And I had the instructions that show him in the picture, but I could not find the actual minifigure. So like some, that's been lost through time somewhere. Who knows if it'll ever turn up, you know? Um, but I, I definitely like, you know, yoinked all of the Legos I could find. And I was like, these are actually parts of good sets that I had when I was a kid. I remember I also had like a, a police car, I think. Um, 
And uh, that I think might've been my first one, but I remember like, oh, police car, that's kind of cool. But like, oh, like moon rover with an astronaut, like that was super cool. Um, and I think aside from that, most of what I had were just like, here's also a bucket of Tycos, which will work with Legos, but they're cheaper. Um, <laughs> so I had those, um, quite you know, and it's ones. like, you kind of, right. And, you know, I feel like, and, and maybe that's kind of what turned me off to the building. Cause it's like, you can only make so many like red, yellow, and blue houses before you're just like, this looks <laughs> fucking stupid. This doesn't look like a house. Houses aren't red, yellow, and blue, you know? Um, so yeah, the, the, the building part of it is, isn't really what much would appeal to me. I mean, and that's one of the things I've even started appreciating more now, the sets I've done more recently is back then it was more about playing with them. You know, it was a toy that you got to put together, but you got to still play with it. You know, it wasn't like a model. I did right. models when I was a kid and those weren't fun because once you build them, it's like you put it on a shelf and don't touch it. Exactly. Which is ironically what I want to do now with my Lego because I forgot how to play with toys. So you build it, you put it on a shelf, like I'll look at it. But like as a kid, you don't want to build something and just look at it. You want to play right. with it, you know? And, and that's one of the things I've really appreciated now is that, you know, yeah, like I it wasn't so much that I would like put them together and take them. I would put it together and then put it back in the bucket together. So I could just take it out and play with it later, you know? Okay. So I'm going to so jump that's, in. That's my origin story. We have <laughs> such fun, like as, as most things that we reveal in this podcast, we have very different origin stories with this. Um, and that's just to, to address one thing you said, like that was my problem with like erector set. And mm -hmm. I never, like, we never afforded, like, the real one because those were expensive and they were huge, like, crazy sets. I always think yeah. of the one from Sandlot where he has, like, the, the uh, it's like a Rude Gate, uh, no, what is it? Rule Goldberg. I almost said Gator, Bader Ginsburg. That's not the, the, <laughs> the, the machine. Braxton Hicks. <laughs> right. Where he has the, the marble and it drops down and he hits his mom in the head with it. Like, I didn't have that set and it was always like so much work and you had to understand how how circuits worked and how the battery would mm. power the car eventually lego was so much more accessible and you didn't have to be an engineer to figure out how the things went together right um so it was a building toy but for dummies like me <laughs> uh yeah i i'm trying to remember like early sets that i would have had i think i had the King Arthur and some knights and a, a castle. I think that was my first. Was it the set. yellow castle? No, I think mine had like oh. gray corner pieces. Okay. I remember specifically. The yellow one was when they talk about is one of the big flagship, real right. super popular ones. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think like I didn't have like they weren't big sets. I, I never had like huge, huge sets. So I'd had that. And I think I had one with like a, a yellow block of a roof that you could put on top of things, but I always used it as a base because it was it was rounded and it kind of looked like rolling hills, which was kind of cool. And then oh, nice. um, like a lot, lot of, uh, I had like a, a, a motorcycle cop and I think I had a spaceman like with a little moon rover and a little satellite thing that would move around. Um, and then I kind of got it, like I, I got like this Bionicle, which is that, that different kind of, uh, um, uh, engineering sets, those oh, like, different yeah. ones. Mm -hmm. I thought those were really cool. I got into the lore of that. That's like one of the first comic books I got was because of that. I like subscribed to the comics so I could watch, like read along with these these Toa Matanui uh, uh, soldier guys. But like pure sets wise, like when Star Wars got that license, it was just like match made in heaven for me. That was the coolest mm -hmm. thing to get a little Luke, a little Han. Um, and so for me, I, 
I would build the thing and I'd play with it for ages, but then it would go, I'd break it all apart and put it in a bin with all of my other Legos. So whenever I like primarily when I would go and play with them, I would dump this massive tub out and build stuff. And it was always like trying to make like a, a, an X-wing or a spaceship or like a, a vehicle that you could like shoot at things with. And I remember, I think I got this one, it was like a little bandito guy that was really cool. He had a poncho and a mustache. And like, I would find a little figure that I liked, like the aesthetic. He had a, uh, the coolest thing about him was he had a helmet with bat ears. So it's kind of like a <laughs> Zorro Batman kind of thing. So I was like, that guy was me for a while. Mm -hmm. um, and then there was a guy uh, I got, they had like a, a dinosaur hunter uh, a set where you got like this big trailer and a, a, a T-Rex and a baby T-Rex and a, a um, what was it? A, a Triceratops and this big ship where like what you would capture and keep them on. And then in that set, like with that run, there was a little dude who had like uh must up hair and a little uh, uh, slingshot, like on the, the, the painting of his body. And oh, for yeah. that, for a while, that guy was me. And it was always me like mixing up the different uh, uh, costumes and the different helmets and the capes and stuff and making it like because it was cool you could mash all these worlds together you had like king arthur and then you had aliens and you had robots and then uh dinosaurs so i i would get all those i'd break them all up i'd put them in this big tub and i'd spend hours just like Shh. it's it's such like a cathartic sound like the shh of going through the 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 plastic tub like to find the one piece and you never found it and it's like you dump it out and you spend hours trying to find it this is like what it's like like uh, going through your queue and Netflix is like mm. never really find it. Like maybe that's a nostalgic thing. That's why we we do it. It's yeah. like, we can never quite find the thing. Cause I had toy boxes like that forever where you're trying to find the one thing. And then the next time you came to play again, you're like, Oh, there's the thing I was looking for for hours the last time. <laughs> yeah. So for me, it was always like you, you get the set and you play with it for a while. And I don't even think I would keep the instructions after a certain point. Cause I, I would break it apart and make something new out of it. Always like start like space themed. Um, but yeah, I, it was, it was a big, it was cool to, to build the thing that was on the box and get to play with it. And then you, I just integrated it into the universe. Like, okay, these guys are now, they were like my, my action figures, probably more like I had a lot of Batman action figures. So it was like 25 Batman and one Robin and, freeze i was like okay 25 batman they're prepared already like they're just gonna be like <laughs> the spider-man comic like you and you like it right <laughs> um, so like with that there was really like i could play more kind of weird wacky adventures at one point they had like the lego stop motion where like it was a camera and i think at one like i got one where it was a movie set and it was like supposed to be like a cityscape but I never had like the the thing to film it, which would have been cool. Like, and then they had like software you could go on like Lego online and film it and do that stuff. Um, yeah, I remember those. I never had one, but I, I do remember seeing those. Yeah. yeah. And then it's a whole industry now is like stop motion Lego. Like, I mean, yeah. you've done music for them. Like, they're yeah. great. They're really fun. And that's the thing. Like, when when Disney got licenses and they started licensing like actual, because that was the thing when they did the the. Uh, uh dino attack or dino hunt it was it was like this is jurassic park but not really like it was right, yeah and it like they were great toys for that like they weren't like 
Walgreens knockoff superhero toys. They were like actually faith, like put something cool together and made a story out of it. And then like you just played in that world. I, I, I that was really cool. Um, do, do you remember any sets from your like top, top five sets of all? Let's do that. Like a, a quick top five. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, it's probably going to be short for me because I remember I, I like I didn't really have many Legos as a kid. I think, you know, it was kind of those. And then, you know, I, we can go I don't remember. Like, mix yeah, it I think for me, it's probably more. So like at some point, I think it was when I started, um, you know, like going to, to Target for like food shopping. I think that's mm -hmm. when I started buying sets again because they have the little like $4 ones that are by mm -hmm. the cash register, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, oh, look, here's this little, it's $4, whatever, you know. And then, you know, every now and then, you know, you're walking by the DVDs and you're like, oh, look, Lego sets are right here. Oh, look, here's a little set for only $10, you know. So again, like what drew me in, like what you said was the Star Wars stuff because it's like, oh, these are characters I know, yeah. you know, characters that I want to have and collect. And, and then, you know, same thing with the Marvel sets. So I started getting like, you know, around the, the you know, the 10, 10 to $20 sets, you know, because it was like, oh, well, this is, it's only $10, whatever, you know, and some of the ones I got were even, it's like a tiny millennium Falcon, but with a, yeah. you know, regular size Han Solo, just like, yep. you know, <laughs> you know, so I've got like, you know, those, it's like, cool. Now I have Han Solo, you know? And um, I think there was a, uh, you know, recently, I think I got a Kylo Ren, you know, that's like same type of thing in this like tiny ship. Um, but yeah, it's a way to just kind of get, or our, there's another one that's Darth Maul, I think that I got like that. So it's like, you know, this tiny ship and it's like, you know, you kind of realize like nobody really cares about that little ship. It's, it's to get Darth Maul or to Kylo, Kylo Ren, you know, get these characters. So that, that was kind of what I started with. Um, and then again with the Marvel sets, but again, like with Marvel, like vehicles aren't a big part of the Marvel universe. Again, it's more the characters. It's like, okay, I'm going to buy this thing because it has a Spider-Man, you know, right. minifigure in it. And they don't do like, so, so that's most of it ones where it's like the spider spider mobile or the fantastic four right. fucking like it, it's yeah. always something kind of like we've contrived this set where okay you can see that captain america has this big fucking motorcycle for some reason it's because we want right. to sell yeah. you the motorcycle yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah um so so that kind of brings me to and i i'm gonna have to make it uh, a top six okay. because when i really sort of decided to kind of go big or go home was when um infinity war came out they released uh six sets that were you know related to infinity war and they were what was what was really cool was they were they were gradually different sizes slash prices right so you had the ten dollar set then you had like the 20 then the 30 then the 70 and then the 100 something dollar set but what they did was each set had an infinity stone in it that's so awesome. you had to collect all six of course i did and luckily this came out around my 40th birthday so that was sort of what i was like hey this is what i'm you know anyone who you know like i mean not anyone like you know friends who normally wouldn't buy me a birthday present but like my mom and then like you know i think chris asked me and her mom wanted to get me something i was like these are what i want they're this price so get whichever one you want and then I'll get whatever ones are left over. Like, I don't want to be like, well, this is here. I want this. It's a hundred dollar Lego set. Buy it for right. me. You know, it was like, if no one gets me the hundred dollar one, I'll buy it myself. And I think my mom ended up getting me that one. Um, so I kind of like, you know, told people like, these are what I want. And they're like, okay, well, you know, I'll get you this one. I'll get you that, you know? So on my 40th birthday, I started 
putting those sets together. <laughs> Didn't finish, but started. And I started with the small. So, so those, and I, yeah, I just finished recently uh, during this past winter break in December, 2020 was when I finally built the last set, which was a building that on one side was Dr. Strange's um, Sanctum Sanctorum. And then on the other side, there was a pizza place in Peter Parker's apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, and it came with like an Iron Man, a Dr. Strange, uh, an Iron Spider, um, and then also uh, Ebony Maw. And uh, I forget what the other, the, the big giant, like Hulk-like guy that was working right. with Thanos for the big hammer. I forget his name. I can't remember um, either. Yeah. Um, so, so I finally put that. So, so that, I think those to me were definitely my top six because like it was the, the collection of the set together, how they all had this kind of common goal, um, and all this connective tissue. And like, you know, you, you actually got the one, the set that came with Thanos, he actually has a removable hand. So you can put the infinity gauntlet on and all of the infinity gems you can stick them in his glove and like give him the full. So my dream at one point was to go through once I had done all the sets was to go back and sort of recreate scenes from the movie and kind of show him at different points with different, you know, infinity gems as he gets more and more and, you know, kind of going up against the different characters and this and that, um, which I never did. And hopefully maybe I'll still do, but, um, but that was sort of the thing is that they, I, I, I really liked that, all of them were, were pretty relevant. Like that was kind of a pretty, I mean, it wasn't in the movie. It wasn't also Peter's apartment, but there was that big scene where they were going after Dr. Strange and like, because he had the time gem and all that stuff, you know um, you know, and then you have the big, uh, the second biggest set was the, um, the guardians of the galaxy, their ship. Um, so like building that. And then one of the other sets, this was what was really cool. I think this is my favorite thing about it was one of the smaller sets was this little escape pod that was for, I think it was Groot, Rocket, and Thor, because they yeah. all they were the ones who went to go get so it's this little escape pod. I have but this one. It actually fits. It connects to oh, it the connects. back of the so yes. So oh, you cool. could take them both together and be like, here's the ship with the escape pod connected, and there's a spot. So when you build that 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 ship, there's a spot on the back where that escape pod would go. That's cool. So yeah, so it's like the whole thing kind of integrates and then um yeah. And that was kind of what really made me think about how like, yeah, they're not just meant to build and put on a shelf. They're meant to play with because like the, the Wakanda one actually had like, like weapons and things where it's like, Oh, you hit this, you push this button and it sends this saw blade flying. And like, you know, they've got a bunch of warnings. Like you could put your eye out with this because they're projectiles. And right. um, so it was just so fun putting it together and seeing the construction where it's like, okay, like the Wakanda one, I think was basically like a wall and but it wasn't just like, okay, we're going to stack up a wall. Like there was all stuff built into it. We're like, oh, well, here's this little like trapdoor type thing. Or here's a thing where when this thing hits it, it's going to explode and make it look like it broke open, you know, and all that stuff was built into it so that it wasn't like, just like, here's a solid wall and it's boring. You know, like they actually went into thinking about how can we make this more dynamic for when you're playing with it, you know? And um, yeah. And it's like, you know, it was one of those things as I'm building it, it's making me wish, like, I wish I had this when I was a kid or had more, more Legos like this, you know, that were meant to like, okay, you put it together. Now you can play with it and you can recreate the scene. And, um, you know, or even little things like, uh, um, well, in the, the, the building set, there's a part where, where the time gem is hidden is actually behind this like bookcase. And there's a part where there's, you push this thing down and outside the wall breaks open and like you can basically get at that spot. So it's kind of like where it is now it's built and the, you know, the time gem is nowhere to be seen, 
but that's how you get at it is like you have to break open that part of the wall and then it, it's right there and it's like oh that's that's where they get it and it's like you know again little things like that where it's like this is meant to be played with you know if you just put that together and put it on the shelf you're never going to know the time gem is there you know so um so yeah that was definitely cool i i I really dug putting all those together and I, I look forward to a time where I have room to display all of them so I can have them all together. And, and I think that's more when I would probably get into recreating the scenes because it's like, you know, after I build them, I basically put them back in the box and put them away, you know, to keep them safe from the cats destroying them. Um, yeah. But yeah, if I could have like a bookcase, that's just devoted to Lego where it's like, I'm going to put these on the shelves. Okay. I'm going to recreate this scene. Let me take the things that I need in the Lego minifigures. Okay. Let me put the scene together. Okay. Take a picture. Cool. Okay. I can put that back now. You know, although I have to do, I do have to give an honorable mention to my Mandalorian set, you know, which I'm sure you can, which you can I agree also with. have, which is very yeah. sick. That, that's yeah. So for, I, I would get them. I would always get like a little set in my stocking for Christmas. Oh, nice. And my mom would always get me uh, something I really liked when I was little, which was a holdover from when she was a, a kid and my her, my grandma couldn't afford like wrapping paper. She mm. would take the the Sunday cartoon from the, na- the, the newspaper and wrap presents in that. Yeah. And she did that for my birthday once and I loved it. It was the coolest thing ever. So every year I get at least one present from for my birthday wrapped like that and it's always legos nice. so my mom i always get like one or two sets a year from my mom like going back to infancy mm-hmm. um so it, like top 10 i mean i i got like the original boba fett ship the slave one so oh, nice which was it blew my brain open when I got yeah. it. I was so oh, excited. Man. It was so cool. I didn't even have a Boba Fett action figure. I never had. And then I had his ship. And it was so cool because it had like a brick that's like uh, too wide that stood up that had frozen Han Solo in carbonite. Nice. I was like, that's from the movie. How cool is it? It would fit in the ship. And then it had, uh, you could bring the cop the cockpit open and sit boba in it and then it had little uh wings on the side that would move as you put put it upright and, and fly the way that it flew like a hair that's great so that one was really cool i i kept that one together for a long time that like sat on my I dresser or on a shelf for a long time without i finally broke it apart and i i've regretted it ever since i gotta find instructions to try and put it back because i have all the pieces still that dinosaur hunt one was really cool. I think that was the biggest one my parents ever got me. I got that for Christmas one year. It's this massive boat. It was like a foot and a half long and it had all these little characters. It's like a little uh, safari guy who had like a beard and a monocle and a, a bow tie. Hmm, um, and I think he was like a, a, an admiral or something. So he had like a safari hat and then he had like uh, um, shoulder like ruffles, like a, 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 a uniform. Um that one was really cool. And you got like a little baby T-Rex and a big T-Rex. And mm-hmm. that one was really cool. One of the first ones I got was that that uh, medieval castle. And it came with a little skeleton who was like, you put him in the dungeon. And ages <laughs> ago, I broke one of his arms off. I just recently found like a little arm to fit. And he's finally back together. Like that's been... 25 years of him not go- going without an arm at one point i had I, a chain 
that was a Lego thing. So it had one, one nut on one side and one on the other and it broke and it was just wide enough to put around his little ball joint for his shoulder. So for a while he was a one arm skeleton that had this chain for an arm and you could put like an ax or something in it. So he was like a badass, like, a, like an RPG uh, <laughs> skeleton, bad guy. So that I, I, I played forever with those knights for a long time. So I really liked that set. And it was cool. Cause you got, when you got King Arthur, it came with Excalibur, which was a sword. And I had a bunch of different swords, but it was a shiny, like reflective sword. Oh, nice. Um, we couldn't have played as kids because I would always chew on shit with Lego, especially like when you would get a rover and the the wheels are that like oh, gummy yeah, the rubber. rubber. Like mm-hmm. chew that shit like gum. Like and like it was it was disgusting, like mad disgusting. Like a lot of that shit went in my mouth. Because it's contemplative. You're looking for something. You're trying to like, oh, I don't want to lose this one. I'll just tuck it in the cheek. And then like, it's really fucking gross. Um, one of the other ones that was really memorable was for Christmas one year, I got, it was a pair of speeder bikes from uh, Return of the Jedi. Oh, nice. With the scout troopers. That's I've cool. always loved the scout troopers. But to have those, and it was like really, like, they were really accurate. And I, I thought those stayed together for a long time. Those were really cool. I liked those. And you got two scout troopers. I think it came with a Luke too, because like you don't want just stormtroopers because they're right. expendable. Um, I'm trying to think of other ones that I had. I did really like my motorcycle cop. I had that. That was like the first character I had for a long time. Like I had medieval guys, and the first modern guy was a, a little because he had, he had sunglasses. His head mm-hmm. had sunglasses painted on, so oh, I would nice. use that head for multiple different bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I that Bandito one that I had was really cool. So that's four or five. I had a million of them. That little space dude was cool because he had like a mm-hmm. big helmet with the like, like the the rib breather attached yeah. on the back. Like it was a really robust spaceman with a little rover. That one was really cool. Um, actually, uh. At one point, my my uncle worked for uh, what was it, Lockheed Martin, JPL Systems. So mm-hmm. he he had worked in some way on one of the Mars rovers that had gone oh, wow. like they shot into space. So in elementary school, I had done a project like present like he gave me like the, these posters like of all of the the missions and stuff. Like he had like the the conceptual stuff. Oh, and wow. he gave me those. So I had those on my walls and I did a report for something in God, I hadn't I haven't thought about this in ages. I did a report in elementary school about it and I actually built a rover out of Legos. Like I just des- like put it together my own design and it like was a display at school for a long time. Oh wow. Like and they were my Legos. I was always mad like I, I need those pieces. <laughs> But it was just like, it was a really cool kind of like emulating something that had actually went to space. So it was like always generated, like I liked having the the medieval guys, but as soon as like it went to space, like that was another level of like getting to be creative and make these ships. Cause I, I like the X-Wings were really expensive. Like the Millennium Falcon, I was never going to get cause it's this massive, huge set mm-hmm. to this day. My, like my Holy grail of Lego sets is the superstar destroyer the, the ex, uh, uh, executor uh, Vader yeah. ship, like that massive thousand thousands of piece one. Like I, I want one so bad. There's no place to put it, but like, and I see like, 
it's a, it's a whole culture now of like those massive sets that people have made like inspired by star wars with like the trench run and the huge like side of the the death star where the the executor like knocked or uh impacted it and oh yeah it. like it's crazy I think that's what was great about the Lego movie too, is like, I feel like that's kind of what re sparked it, you know, because I had kind of, you know, not forgotten about Lego, but it's just like, there was nothing that was like urging me to do it. And then you kind of see that and it's just like, Oh man, like I want to play. And, and it, it was perfect too. The way it was kind of like this combination of all the different sets and, you know, integrating some actual things like how, you know, Morgan Freeman's character has the, like the lollipop as right. his cane, you know, yeah. and then the craggle and all that you know? around it. Yeah. Yeah. You like know, and it's like, match. yeah. And I thought that was like perfect. And that's kind of like, I mean, that wasn't so much how I would play with Lego, but I like my, my other action figures, that's kind of how it was because it's like, I, there were, you know, I was into Star Wars, but I was also into a little bit into G.I. Joe. And I was into Mask for a while. I don't know if you remember those. And, you know, <laughs> there were a bunch of, yeah, they're just like a bunch of different lines of toys that I was really into. And it's like, I feel like I had one or two from each series, but I would just play with them all together. And I remember always thinking that, that it's like, oh, yeah, why are these all different sizes? It's like, oh, well, they're all from the different universes and they've all come together. And it's like, oh, you know, where did, what universe do you come from? You know, I remember playing with them like that, you know, and that was, that was how I justified having a bunch of different toys that didn't go to the same, the same series. And were also vastly different sizes, you know? Right. So like, that was kind of, I think what it reminded me of when I saw the Lego movie too, is like, yeah, like, you know, that's, that's kind of how Lego can work too, because there are the different sets. Oh, now we're in the old West. Oh, now we're in space, you know, now we're doing the, you know, and now it's Batman, you know, and like, right. you know, I thought that was like that. I think that part of, part of it really inspired me too and um you know i think that was one of the things that got me thinking about it again and probably why i started collecting sets here and there you know not just that i happen to see them but it's just like oh yeah yeah remember lego yeah that's great you know and, and definitely something i thought of too like i'm probably not going to have kids at this point but i remember you know thinking if i ever do have kids like that's that's one of the toys i'm going to buy them you know and it's because it's like it's creative and it's also like, you know, I feel like there are so many other garbage toys out there where it's just like, you know, meant to, we're trying to sell this product. And, you know, especially after watching the toys that made us, how much of it right. is like, you know, we're going to put out this cartoon to sell this toy and, right. you know, kind of vice versa. And it's like, you know, uh, you know, and it's like, I mean, as much as I, you know, used to love GI Joe and, and Thundercats and, and He-Man and all that stuff, you know, it's like, there's only so much you can do with those, you know, like, cause it's just this one world, you know, but like with Lego, you can kind of go anywhere with it and you can mix and match and, you know, and, you know, there's the, the, you know, the creativity of building stuff or just the creativity of playing with the minifigures, you know, like, you know, having a little story to tell with that. And, you know, I sometimes wonder too, especially after, you know, I had kind of, you know, met Emil and was working with him on his, you know, stop motion Lego stuff. I was like, man, if I had been playing with Legos more as a kid, like, would I be doing this? You know, would I have you know, is that how that would have evolved? Or, you know, is it the fact that I played with it for a little while, didn't really have very many and kind of just put it in the back of my mind and then kind of came back into it, you know, like, you know, like how many Lego sets would I have now if I had like, you know, been more into it as a kid and, you know, and, and then they, and they hadn't been so expensive. And, you know, I think that was part of it too, is I think back then, yeah, that was before they were doing like Star Wars Lego sets, you know, right. Um, so I feel like that was a big part of it too. If they had star Wars Lego sets when I was a kid, I probably would have gotten more of those, you know, and, 
Um, and I think when they started making Lego sets, it was more around when the prequels came out, you know, which, yeah. you know, I think at that point I wasn't as into those characters, you know, so, you know, even though I could have been collecting then, it was like, oh, but I want, you know, the Han and the Luke and the Leia and Darth Vader and all that, you know, um, which eventually we got. So that's, that's good, right. you know. That was something so cool about the Lego movie. It was the first movie in a long time that really reminded you of how it was to play. Yeah. Like not since Toy Story, I think was anything like that, like targeted at that kind of nostalgia and right. got it so right. Cause that's the uh, toy story is all about like an amalgam of different things. Like mm -hmm. these, like a cowboy and a spaceman, like, right. You just made do with what you had. Cause you didn't have the whole set and you like that. It inspired you to go in different directions and like Andy playing with like making his piggy bank, the bad guy and putting Mr. Right. Potato heads hat on him and his mustache. Like it, it, that was so much like how play was. And lego just knocked it out of the park because they really nailed like that kind of amalgam and 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 like you said like to to integrate like the craggle and and different parts of it that like, didn't make any sense like at one point didn't they put like the crap he he super glued the cap to the super glue to uh the 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 construction worker guy right and then yeah. that that like totally changed his 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 like perception it was weird like right that was that was a really piece cool. of resistance i think that yeah, was called the, yeah and the then piece of resistance and then he had the the exacto blade and the, the yeah. blade of exact zero right. <laughs> exactly yeah yeah it's like i don't think kids should be playing with those those yeah. are sharp as fuck <laughs> exactly <laughs> and it was cool kind of the way they showed it where it was like um will ferrell as the dad character was like it was showed the different generations like the 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 older guy is like let's put these together and leave them and they're a right. store it's like no yeah. these are toys they should be played with and it should be fun like that that was also cool because it, it showed because we don't get to see andy's dad because in pixar there are no dads or there right or, or, or there's no two-person uh parent situations <laughs> but in oh, Lego, that. <laughs> like you get to see okay the, dad's got toys too so it's mm -hmm. it, that was that was kind of a cool like modern nod to that i really liked um i was gonna ask oh did you ever see when they did the the lego soccer set no so it was this really cool thing like they, it was almost like um uh foosball where oh, it was okay. this this set where you would set it up in an arena and every dude had their little uh, platforms and there was a ball and you'd kick the ball out and it would like fall into their, their area. Mm -hmm. And then you could like, there's a plastic extent. I'm going to have to find this and buy it for exorbitant amount of money. Cause I thought it was so cool yeah. at the time, but it was so expensive and you could like, he, that you would get possession of the ball and get to angle it and kick it out. And there was oh, a mechanism cool. that would fire it out, which was really cool. The other thing I was going to ask is, is there a pie in the sky set that like if money was no object, you'd go out and get? I, I think for me, it's the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's not the biggest set, but it's, I, I think it's definitely the one for me that, you know, is, um, you know, like as a, as a kid, I had, uh, I did have a Millennium Falcon. It was, I think given to me like by my next door neighbor or something like that. So it was like used and it was kind of all banged up, but it was like probably the biggest toy I had as a kid, you know? And, um, you know, and I liked how like in the original toy, 
they kind of had the part where you could pull the top off the back and yeah. there was a little area. And, and I guess I didn't realize this at the time, but there was like a little cardboard thing that kind of showed a scene of the rest of it. Oh. Well, mine didn't come with that. It had already been broken out. So I had access to the entire inside of the millennium Falcon. So like, I, you know, I would just put everybody in there like, yeah, we're all good. This is, this is, you know, it's not just this little area towards the back. It was the whole thing. Um, you know, so I used to like, you know, again, like that became the sort of the centerpiece of whenever I would play of like, okay, we're going to bring in, we got the, you know, the Ewoks and the Star Wars and the GI Joes and the mask guys, but okay, they're all going to the Millennium Falcon. We're all doing a mission together, you know? Um, and that's usually where I would just store my toys too. Whatever I was playing with, just chuck them all in the Falcon, put the lid on and okay, it's away, you know? They're in um, hyperspace until I come yeah, back. Right. Yeah. So that was, I think the thing that, that was definitely probably that toy and my Optimus prime transformer that I lost at some point were probably no the two way. kind of pinnacle toys from my childhood. Yeah. Was it so, die cast? Was it metal? I think parts of it were like, not the whole thing, but definitely, but parts of it were, yeah. But it was like one of the original ones, That's so amazing. you know, and I, and I still had like, I think I lost him, but what was weird is I still have his fists because like, you oh, just have to take them off right. to became the headlights and you put them in his chest. And he had like the trailer I think I lost that, but he had the little, the little six wheel dune buggy thing that was like inside that you could have out. And then I had the door, the back door to the trailer. So I had his fists. I think I had his gun. I had the little six wheeled thing and the back door to his trailer and the rest of it is like gone. And like, we never know what happened to it. Like, I forget what point I was like, Hey, where's my Optimus prime? Like, it wasn't like, you know, um, I left it somewhere and I know where I left it and it was stolen. Like, it's just, all of a sudden, you know, kind of like with, with, um, um, Benny, you know, same sort of thing. Like, okay, it's in the attic with the rest of my toys. Okay. Where is it? It's gone somehow. You know, like, I don't remember losing it. You know, I don't remember playing with my friends and coming home, you know, and it's like, so you, must've been the gnomes. Do you think that, do you think that's worse than actually knowing where you lost the toy? I think so because you, you, you keep looking for it, yep. you know, you're like, well, it must be somewhere, you know, we went to this, like, reservoir when we were living in california and i took my favorite batman toy he was blue he's called mm -hmm. ultimate wing batman i think um i have since bought a replacement because i could find it on the internet once i had the internet and money i i fucking mm -hmm. found that dude right but <laughs> i buried him in the sand never to be seen again oh, and geez. we got all the way home and drove back to look for him like Damn. I was devastated. Like that's the one that like I slept with. That was like my mm -hmm. favorite Batman toy. Yeah. And it 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 haunts me to this day. I can see exactly like the scenario of like us going back and frantic frantically searching for it and not finding it. I'm sure some other kid picked it up like he's not mm -hmm. in the beach anymore. Like he right. he yeah. got transferred to another kid. Yeah. yeah, it's not like the crabs found him or <laughs> like this is our king now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, what about for you? What would be your? Oh, oh yeah, you said the the uh, the, 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 the big super star destroyer. And I was yeah. thinking of another one would be like I always wanted an X wing, um, and I always thought a uh, a tie interceptor would be mm. really cool, and then kind of like hang it from the ceiling and like have a like them yeah. dog fighting, like that that would have been really cool. But is it like after you, I got Slave One, it was like what? right. Like you may yeah. have the Millennium Falcon, 
but I have this cool, like I have the bounty hunters one. <laughs> like, right. The only yeah. thing that would have been cooler is if like I had a little Bosque and IG 88, like that would have been the only thing that would have made it better. Mm-hmm. But like that little slab, that stupid, I don't even think it was a sticker. I think it was printed on the block of uh, carbonite han was like the coolest thing ever it's like let's just <laughs> and then when i got a real han i was like he would have an existential crisis because he'd be looking at himself frozen in carbonite <laughs> <laughs> like it was so weird and cool <laughs> yeah i definitely at some point that's that's on my list is the slave one the new um, one is nice yeah like it's massive it's easily twice as big as the one i had and more ang like more like smoothed out. Mine was like very right. blocky and like angular. Mm-hmm. Man, they 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 broke the mold with those. I I really did like the Bionicle, which is like it's not not bricks and not the same kind of thing. But I thought mm-hmm. those were really cool because um, it was like there was a mythos and it was there like a really big swing and a story with like this this planet and it was almost Transformers esque, but it was like tied to like elements of nature so there was like oh, a fire cool. one and a leaf like you, i think you would be like really into them they're really cool yeah um so one of the sets i really liked from that because i i ended up getting most of them from the the second generation um mata nui or, or toa nui were the the names of the guys mm. and then i got it all culminated with like a, a direct to dvd movie where it was makuta who was the big bad guy and this like uh avenger that came like and it was all like in crisp white and it had this gold uh mask and this like motorbike and one christmas i got makuta who was this big fucking dude and the dude with the motorbike so it was nice. this huge like huge set that was really cool I got, I got some cool ones over the years that that was that was sweet yeah well and i feel like i'm also at a good place with it too because when i do go to the store and or when i used to go to the store go to like go to target and look at the sets or the lego store like i'll kind of look around and there are a bunch of them that i'm like oh that's cool but then i'll be like i mean it's cool that it exists but i don't necessarily want it you know and there there are a few that i do want that are like mildly expensive so it's kind of like okay let me wait and see if i still want this in a while like eventually maybe i'll get it like one of the one of the sets i wanted just because it looks so cool was the the tron bikes Oh, I don't know if you've ever seen those. Those are cool. Those are super sweet. So like, yeah, if, if, at some point, I, I I mean, and it's one of those things like, sure, I could order it online, but it's like, I don't know. It's I, I do kind of miss being able to go and buy that stuff physically and be like, yeah, like look at it and see the set and, you know, um, but yeah, that's, that's one of the, the sort of random ones. Like I'm not super into the Tron movies, but they just looked cool as hell. Um, it's crazy with like the, the cost of sets, like I'll see something that I'll balk at it and then I'll buy 10 minifigs. Right. Like, yeah. Cause when you used to go to the Lego store and I don't think they can ever do this again, where you could like build right. minifigs with all the accessories. Like last time I did that, it was so much fun. It was like $15 for three figs insane. Yeah. Like no reason yeah. for that. But I like, I got a dude with a guitar and uh, a surfboard and a wizard. Like those were really like, that was really cool and that's where the game is like and those guys are small enough that you could like decorate with and it's not going to take up a bunch of space and you can make them creative and they've been great for like rpgs and stuff Mm -hmm. i think that's the next set i want to get some tuscan raiders because i've got since the the rpg i'm running i have some uh npcs that i wrote that are these tuscan raider brothers um who 
are were part of a, an exchange program and ended up on Coruscant <laughs> to do this mining thing. So they end up hanging out and, and joining the party and traveling with them. And they're oh, like learning cool. how to speak Tuscan and like write and have this written language. So it'd be cool to have like little uh, versions of them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, one of the last few times I'd gone to the Lego store, like they'll have like stuff on clearance where it's like, you know, from like Ninjago or whatever. Yeah. It's like, oh, here's like a minifigure pack where it's like five figures and then a bunch of weapons. And it's like, oh my God. Yeah. I'll take yeah, it. You know, absolutely. And um, yeah, so I've got a few things like that. And, you know, um, well, uh, actually uh, a whole other angle of this is like the past few times we've gone to pop culture con, you yeah. know, they have, they have vendors who are selling right. minifigures. So it's like, I got a moon Knight one. And it, I was so excited. <laughs> There's no moon Knight set. They made them custom. That's the other thing. Yeah. It's like the customization level is insane. Yeah. Yeah. So like, that's another part of it too. Just being able to seek out specific minifigs or even like, you know, Oh, I never thought I wanted this, but I'm going to get it. Like they actually, like one of the last times I got a, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles set. Um, I got a Voltron cool. minifigure, which I feel like if you're going to do Voltron, why is it a minifigure? It should be like, you know, do the fucking lions, you know, but, but what the hell? It was cool. You know, he had the sword and it was everything. It was great. I'm still sad that your, your Optimus is gone. Like I've always wanted yeah. a big fuck off, like transformer. Yeah. Like I've always wanted a sound wave one. Because he had the oh, little yeah. cassettes that would go mm -hmm. into like laser beak, beak and, and uh, uh, um, ravage, oh, ravage, yeah. Mm -hmm. and he always had the cool. He had the coolest fucking voice. Like, yeah, I love sound. Let's bat like those shows do not age well because they're like not well written, mm -hmm. but like they're iconic and the sound and like the sound wave is such a badass. Yeah, I love him so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mini figs is is where it's at. I I definitely oh I do want the uh, if we ever get back to a, a a pop culture con if they ever run it again like I need to get '90s metal suit Daredevil the suit that oh, nobody nice. likes yeah. except me <laughs> like I love that suit so much that design is so obnoxious and so yeah, that's the one where he like fakes his death or whatever right so he's like oh I'm not Matt, Matt Murdock yeah. yeah I just got to that in the comics I'm reading. <laughs> It was cool because there's a little bit of overlap with uh, Bill Sienkiewicz and that. So it wasn't he. He was just doing covers. He wasn't doing internals. Otherwise, I would have kept all those. But mm. he was doing cover art for that run, which was sick. Really sick. <laughs> um, cool. So filmmaking <laughs> right yeah it's funny there's there's a little bit more crossover to this than probably we would have thought but yeah. right yeah because i mean lego and that was the thing like that was what was so cool about the idea of doing like lego stop motion is that they they made it a thing and they they created and they they i think at one point they had like a uh an online competition so if like you filmed something and submitted it and won you would get like an all expenses like lego trip and you get oh, to wow. legoland and stuff like so it was like built into the universe so, like hey this is a great way to like inspire creativity and do what you were doing already playing and interacting with the and creating stories yeah. but to get to share them with with the world and that's something that like especially with YouTube, like the stop motion Lego thing is, I mean, Epic Rack Battles has done it. And then uh, uh, your colleague had done it too. What's his name? I can't remember his name. Oh, Emil. Emil. 
Hey everybody, this is Joel cutting in here to give a quick plug to Emil Acevedo of VGO Studios, who's uh, got a channel on YouTube uh, that's V-I-R-G-E-O-1228. Emil does excellent Lego stop-motion animation, and Tim has collaborated with him on a few projects. Yeah. And who started with an E? Not Elon. Right. <laughs> no, not that guy. Yeah, your friend Elon. Yeah. <laughs> He's playing with much bigger building blocks. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, so very loose organ. I don't have like talking points, but just like I, I keep watching experimental film and like avant-garde stuff from like the 60s and the 70s and all these like criterion collections. I'm basically, I, I want to be Bill Hader. Like that's, I want to have a show like with documentary now and like all of these like homages to and like attempts to capture like a tone or or like a a specific um era of filmmaking i've got a i've got a powerful camera in my pocket at all times right like yeah. it, it 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 seems like it's that close to reach out to grab and i know there's like lighting and there's and it's the thing like jumping into it is it's yet another medium where you cannot do it all yourself mm. And that's part of what's scary about it and what's challenging about it. And like the idea of trying to start doing that stuff in COVID is, is an impossible task because you can't meet up with anybody. You can't like collaborate in the way that you would have. And we, we've obviously we both have this itch we have for a while where it's like we, we really like kind of the showrunner style and like things being creative. And we've collaborated on like screenplay idea or like, short films right. all, all our ideas that go nowhere yeah yeah so this this is a twofer we're, we're getting in there too um and it, it's something where it's like whenever we would talk about it, it's like we should just fucking do it we should just fucking do it and i think after the last time we had that conversation i i ended up like just setting my phone in uh in like a uh i was driving home and i had the the camera and i put it over to like the the black and white setting and I was just snapping pictures of the um, front windshield as I was going home and just kind of capturing like different moments in the, mm. the, um, the trip. And it was weird because I came up behind this Jeep that had a uh, like a, a, a spare tire on the back with one of those covers. But the cover had like a, a bighorn sheep on it or not a sheep, a deer. Mm -hmm. it had a deer on it so it was weird because i got to it at a stoplight and then it would run away and then <laughs> i was i was catching up to it and we would get to another stoplight and it was like i was cat so like just fit like filming and like capturing photo wise on my way home i captured this impromptu story this idea of like a chase but with uh vehicles but it's not a car chase. It's it's like a hunt, which it, 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 I thought that was super cool. It's something I want to do something with and like put together and put to music and just have it like snapshots, almost like you would do like crime scene photos, mm. like just kind of like a time lapse of these photos going over and over and kind of documenting this pursuit um, where it doesn't matter really what's in the background of the foreground and the lighting is captured in different because it's like it's street lights and headlights and tail lights. So it's really playing with like I'm not there's no lighting rig. I didn't put anything together. But like what got created out of that was really cool and unique. 
and something I just happened to catch. So I, I, I have this urge and I have this like idea of like capturing moments. And I think that's really cool. And something like when you think, when you write surrealist stuff and you kind of identify as a surrealist the way I do, like something that's really cool about film is you can capture surreal ideas in a way that like not a lot of other mediums can. You can write surrealist stuff. Mm-hmm. You can't really like, I don't think there's surrealist music. Hmm. maybe there is i don't maybe i something that could be like close to but it's like evocative like dreamlike things kind of slipping it like you can paint that way i guess right but i have no skill as a painter yeah <laughs> so i think that would be probably the perfect medium for it would be like painting is like capturing snapshots of it but like i i don't know i keep trying to find ways to express the things inside my brain and the more i watch film and see like man, they're putting some weird stuff out there and it's cool. And I'm like, I'm locking into it and it's, it's not off-putting and it's like, well, that was really cool. How did they create that? Like I recently watched a uh, red desert, which is a Michelangelo Antonioni film from the sixties, Italian uh, a filmmaker. It's his first one he did in color. So a lot of the like European directors didn't use color for drama because it was like newfangled and wasn't, considered like i might be speaking out of turn saying but like it it seemed like it was the new fad it wasn't like serious right so they were doing a lot of stuff in black and white still to kind of keep the integrity of the the dramatic form so but when he did it like he did really strange things with like he would actually paint the sets in the background and really like mute out colors and then he would make the camera unfocus to to show like excuse me, I'm talking through burps like Mulaney. <laughs> bread and seltzer. <laughs> um, uh, but like capturing like the, the, like really alienating things through the camera lens where, I mean, the camera lens is supposed to show you things and to deliberately make things fuzzy and unsettling, like it, it really isolating and makes you feel things in ways that other mediums really don't. Hmm. So I, I don't know. It's, it's, again, it's, it's all of those things where I'm really interested in it. And part of me would be content to just like sit back and watch as many of them as possible. Cause like, that's what I do. I like consume things. And I really like, I've always liked movies. Movies are like my favorite mode of entertainment. And, but it's also like seeing something that so fully captures like surrealist ideas or like specific ideas in somebody's head like it's just like a new new avenue into that i don't know your thoughts <laughs> well, <laughs> um i didn't leave you much space there sorry well um well you know no and I, I mean i guess that's part of it too like you know like you said we've we've kind of talked about doing some film stuff you know back to when i tried to to, to start a, a film club you know and and i think part of what I realized too is like, yeah, like a lot of my friends are creative, but we're all like a bunch of us are creative in the same way or in drastically different ways, right. you know? So it's like, there's not one of us who's a writer, but another one who's a director and another one who's a cinematographer. And then me, who's a composer, it's like, oh, well, I'm the composer. And then there's like three, four writers and I write a little bit too sometimes. So it's like, shit, how do we do the middle part? <laughs> you know, like, um, and I think that, you know, like, that's part of what I found kind of makes it, makes it tricky. And, uh, 
Yeah. And, and, you know, like you were saying, like there are parts of it that you need people for, I mean, I guess you don't need people, you know, and again, this is where it ties into the whole Lego thing is like, yeah, we could, each one of us could sit there with our own camera and our own Lego minifigures and just film, make a film that way, you know? And it's like, you know, and I've thought about doing that sometimes too, but then yeah, seeing like how, how good Emil is at the stop motion and kind of, kind of extrapolating what it took to get to that point. It's like, part of me is like, I don't, I don't have the time to get that good at it. You don't have the, the time to get to the point where someone's going to want to watch it and, and sort of look past the fact that it's like, oh yeah, it's this choppy animated, you know, um, you know, that's the thing is like, you can watch a lot of the stuff Emil does and you kind of forget it's animated, you know, the same way you watch a cartoon, you're not like, oh, this is just drawings that are flipped very quickly through like you just see drawn images moving, you know, and that's kind of how, how it is with Emil's stuff. He's, you know, he's, he's gotten that, that smooth and that fluid with it. Um, and the stuff he's able to pull off, you know, like, like having stuff flying through the air and having you know, things like gunshots and blood splatter and, you know, things like that. Um, you know, so it's like, God, like what it would take to get to that point. I don't, I don't have the time to, to learn that whole new skill. Um, you know, and I think that's part of what I think about too. Like when, you know, a lot of the people who I feel like are filmmakers now, they were doing it as a kid where when you're a kid, you know, you don't, you don't care how shitty it looks, you know, you're just doing it and your parents think it's great and they you encourage you to do it more. And then that's sort of your, your time to make shitty films so that you learn from it and get better. And it's like, I can't, you know, at this point in my life, I, I don't have the time to be making a film that a 12 year old would make and have my mom go, Oh, that's really good, Timmy. Good job. You know, you made your, your little film, you know, um, you know, yeah, people, people don't have the, the patience for, well, this is what I was trying to do. You know, they, they just want to see the product and have it look good without excuses. And, and I get it. I'm the same way too, you know, um, with, with certain things, but, um, but yeah, it's like, it is one of those things I kind of sometimes look back on my life and like, I wish I had been one of those kids, like, you know, like M. Night Shyamalan, who's like making films with his family member and friends you know, like little horror movies and ghost movie with, with stupid crappy effects where it's like, Oh, look, I put a sheet on a broom and that's my ghost. <laughs> but it's like, you do that when you're a kid and everyone thinks it's cute, but then you learn from that and you do it a little bit better next time, a little bit better next time, you know, and it's like, and you know, when you're a kid, you have the time and, um, and, you know, and that's the thing too, when you're a kid, you don't feel like everything you're doing has to be like a means to some end, you know? Um, and that's definitely something I feel very much now is that, you know, I don't have the time to just do things because they're fun and it's a really shitty way, you know, to be approaching life. And it's not just me. I feel like everybody feels this way. You know, it's like, you're, you've got to try to make money from your hobbies because you need money. And it's the kind of the gig culture, you know, it's like, you can't just sort of have a hobby that's just for fun, just because you want to do it. It's like, well, how can I monetize this so I can help pay my bills, you know? And, um, and I think that's part of it too. Like, so I just have a hard time being like, yeah, I could, I could devote time to, to doing films. They would suck. But, you know, after, you know, five to 10 years of making shitty little films on my own, maybe I'd make something good. And it's like, I'm, I'm going to be 50 by that point. You know, it's like, like, you know, so yeah. So I, I, and, and I think that was the thing too. I think I forget if this was before we started like the podcast, but I was talking about how, like I tried making a movie in college, you know, and, um, and it was definitely like, I feel like I made some good headway because number one, I think I was young enough to have like the energy and not be jaded quite yet, you know, and, and be like, yeah, like, let's just do this. And I had, I had people around, me, you know, I had people who, 
um, you know, were just there because they were also in school. And a lot of the um, a lot of the scenes for the movie took place at a party at my house. So it was like, hey, we're having a party. By the way, I'm going to film a scene from this. So just pretend like you're at a party or just the background of this party. You know, it's like, like, I can't do that now. You know, like, I mean, COVID aside, like, when can I get together 20 of my friends in the same place on the same night? You know, like, mm-hmm. um, but, and, and I think, you know, for that too, it was also a, a story that was very, kind of near and dear to me and kind of important to me and, and based on, and it was, it was actually really weird too. Like someday I would like to make that film so I could do a documentary about making that film because it, it, it started really blurring kind of like, I think they say this about apocalypse now. I mean, not in the same way, but like in, in, in terms of me, you know, ideas that I had about the movie and then how that started affecting my life and then what, how my life was then in turn affecting the movie. It kind of became this like cycle where the lines were getting blurred between what was the movie and what was real and, you know, ideas I had for in the movie that were going to happen that actually kind of played themselves out in life. And then that kind of reinforced how I was writing them into the movie. And um, so, so yeah, so it was, it was, it was a really cool experience. And I like, sometimes I feel like, like, I don't know what to think about it because part of me is like, you know, is it, is it my fault? I just got lazy and it never got finished where there were there bigger forces at work. Like what, you know, was it my own kind of perfectionism where maybe I was rewriting it as it was happening because I was trying to incorporate these things that were happening that were making it better. Um, and then I kind of think I just, in general, I just ran out of time, you know, because I graduated and, you know, everyone kind of went their separate ways and, um, and it's always something that's been in the back of my mind that, you know, it's like, we'll finish writing the script, you know? And at one point I even went back and I was going to, I was like, I'll just write a book, you know, I'll just make it a book. And then maybe someday they can make that book into a film, but at least I've documented what I wanted this to be. And there were parts where I would actually go through and like watch the footage I shot and kind of transcribe that. And that's what was going into the book, you know, cause it was like, I would kind of let people improvise and, people were doing like a way better job than I ever thought they would have, that they had the better job than they had any right to do. Like I had my music history professor at the time, let me film the scene in his class. It wasn't even a class I was in. It was some other class where I was like, can I come in and set this camera up and then you're teaching class. And then I come in and disrupt your class that you're actually teaching that people are paying money to see. And you have to turn and say a bunch of lines to me and then I leave and then you can go about your business. He was like, yeah, sure. And he did it like two or three times. Wow. And like, you know, he, you know, and, and I basically told him what the scenario was and he improvised and it was like, holy shit, this is incredible. This is way better than anything I could have written for him to say, you know, and, uh, and that happened with like everybody I was working with on every level, you know, it's like things would, you know, I was like, Hey guys, I'm doing this film. Can you just do this thing real quick? They're like, yeah, sure. And they would do like, you know, way better improvisation than I, than stuff I could have written. And, um, yeah. So it was just, it was, it was a really great experience in a lot of ways. And I don't know if that's maybe part of what, I don't want to say it ruined filmmaking for me because I still love the idea of making a film, but I think I look at that and say, I was able to do what I was able to do again, because I was in college, because there were people around, because we were all kind of young and naive enough and, and, you know, where it's just like, yeah, sure. Like, let's do this thing, you know, and, and, you know, no, nobody wanted money for it, you know, but like, yeah, like somehow it just never, and I think, I think part of the, one of the, one of the excuses I'll make is I think a lot of it did have to do with the technology. Like, I think a lot of that footage got lost as I switched computers. And the, right. I, I, yeah, I said earlier, the program I was using to edit with, 
like they don't make that program anymore. So it's like all of the edits that I made to this footage, like it's not like I can just pull that up again and be like, okay, here it is. Let me tweak this scene again. Like I would have to go back to the original footage, like re-upload it all, re-edit all of it, you know, kind of splice through everything again. And I think I remember thinking at one point of doing that, but it's like, well, who's to say I'm not going to spend all that time. And then five years later, the technology is different again. And now I've lost all those edits again. You know, it's like, um, you know, I think I would really, if I was going to do it, I would have to really just like, you know, sit down and do it all in a short enough amount of time that I could finish it and say like, it is done, you know, but um, I guess part of what's also my fault is I never finished writing this. I was kind of writing the movie as it was happening. Like I had a, an outline and I was like, these are the scenes we need to do and we need to do these things. Um, yeah, my family did part of it too. Like there was a whole scene where like, you know, I was like at my family's house and I was like, this is what's going on. This is what you have to say. And we're going to do this and, you know, kind of splice these pieces together and it all worked out and it was like really good. And, you know, um, yeah. So, so I, I wonder I sometimes the movie more or the documentary about the making of it more. <laughs> right. Yeah. Maybe that's what I should just do. Do a documentary about the making of it. Everyone's like, the what filming. is this a thing? I've never seen this thing. You know, it's, it's like going to see disaster artists before seeing the room, you know, it's like, what, what is this referencing? You know? Well, it's like you're lost in La Mancha, like the, 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 uh, Terry Gilliam, uh, man who killed Don Quixote film that was just like belabored by, bad luck and it bankrupted him and he couldn't get it made and then when he finally got it made it's so different from what it was originally mm. like now that'd be great for the film that never was the student yeah. film that never was maybe i'll just do that maybe i'll just do a bunch of interviews with me now and show like the footage and just be like because yeah at one point i think i had even put scenes together like i had edited the footage and i think i saved them like to a disc. So somewhere I have disc where it's like, you know, each scene is on a separate disc. But I think part of the problem too is that the the format it saved it as was like not compatible with a bunch of stuff. And I remember trying to just like, oh, well, let me at least take these scenes. And it's like, oh, could not read disc or something. I just remember having issues with that too. So it's like lost on many levels, you know? Um, so yeah, I think it's not even like I could look at the edit that I did and take the old footage and re-edit re re it to match that scene. Like, I can't even access that anymore. I don't know. Some of that I think is still at my mom's house. Maybe I'll have to find that next time I go there and be like, you know, can I do anything with this at least to do something? So bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's the other thing is like, do I the outtakes be... are amazing too, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that would be my favorite part. That's, That's all I want to do is just release the outtakes. That's the thing. Do I want to be a filmmaker or do I want to be in a documentary about filmmakers? Like, right. I think it's the other thing. It's like, I really enjoy talking about and watching these things. I think trying to emulate them is something that I, I, I think I would like to do. I don't know if I could. And this is the thing. It's like, I kind of wish I had gone to school for this mm. because I went for something as e like equally useless or like not marketable right. at least i could be like producing something like i mean i work in finance now with a undergrad in creative writing and a, a, a master's in victorian literature like they doesn't apply but it, i would now have all of this like film nerd stuff i don't know like i yeah. i feel like it's something i would enjoy going back to school for yeah. Or like auditing. Maybe I should just go to the master class stuff that you've set up and oh, yeah, just watch the directors. Stuff. Yeah, start there. 
because that would be cool i maybe i should just like do the research and like like because i'm fascinated by like lenses and the different kind of like terminology of like what the two shot is what a pan is what a zoom is. Right. like i know what those things are but like how they're integrated and like yeah. crane shots and all of that stuff and it, it's it's one of those things where it's like i i've attempted to make things i mean i have one video on youtube which the is mario versus godzilla yeah it's mario versus godzilla i was in my uncle lenny's house and he has this great train room um with his record collection and these shelves that i had helped him set up um and my cousin ethan came by and we were he had the thing was godzilla was always in the center of the town of his train set that he has set up um so we were listening to to music and it was like it had this like really intense orchestral opening and it went into like a funky beat and went into like a fusion jazz funk stuff afterwards so we heard the intro of that it's like wow that would be really cool as a night like with godzilla and then my cousin had a little figurine of mario it's like oh this would be great and it was just like that music in the back like it came together really and it's just like a handheld phone showing facial reactions of the two there's no cut and it's just with that music in the background and, and it ends with godzilla stomping on mario like it just came together really organically and it's funny and it was like really it had all of this gravitas and it was like there's a little laugh when you realize it's mario and then like it gets serious again and then there's a crunch and that's the end of the film like it, it film it's a video like and <laughs> for for our anniversary ty and i do like homemade gifts mm. um so not last last year i wrote her a rap from the perspective of all of our stuffed animals which was a diss nice. track to eminem which is kind of how i got into like beat making was from from that experience oh, okay and i'm really proud of it i worked on it for a long time and it, there's, there's some flow in it but they're all references that only we get like it's all internal <laughs> joke stuff <laughs> that's patreon content there <laughs> right um but I did, we, we have one of our stuffed animals who's a little uh, uh, octopus and he has like this catchphrase. And what I did for the anniversary of the year before was I set it up like the SNL sketches or the Conan O'Brien where it's like the interview or the audition tapes for like famous oh, right. roles. Mm -hmm. So I had like all of the other stuffed animals and I, I put it in black and white and I put like a... Uh, a black sheet in the background and I had them all show up and like did their voices, like reading the catchphrase, like they were auditioning for it. <laughs> so it was like a really simple setup and just like emulating this thing. It was a lot of fun. And it was something like I could cut together really quick. And there was like, I had different scenes that like with iMovie, I just like put like wipes or like really easy mm. fade in transition effects in like, so I've, I've done little projects with it. The thing I really like to do is that, uh, uh, script that I wrote, which is the really surrealist oh, the... Twilight Zone esque, like yeah. have a nice trip, see you next fall is mm -hmm. the the bad long title for it. That's the thing. Like I don't I don't know that I. It'd be cool to make feature length stuff and like have a career doing it, but like I, at this point, I want to make really bad experimental films. Like they're really like up their own ass. Like obviously, you've watched a lot of X before you made this. Like I just want. Right. I just want the opportunity to like fail in it like that, mm -hmm. the, the time and like puts us something together that might be like really pretentious and up its own ass. But it, it like, I don't know, like to engage with it that way. And that's the thing. Like 
I, I say I'd like to go back to school for it, but like, I don't want to fucking do essays or anything about it. Like I want to read and absorb and like take notes and stuff and then go out and try it. I don't want to have it like, cause I'm a grown ass man. And I've taken enough notes in my life to where it's like, okay, <laughs> I, I don't let me go out and try it and see where it goes wrong. And like have that kind of like an audit class type thing where it's, yeah. but that's the thing. Like the, the best time to do it is in college where everybody is like, so gravy about stuff it's like yeah i'll try that yes i'll try mm -hmm. that like it's very yeah there was there was a while ago probably last year well obviously last year not this past year but i was actually considering like like um, applying for colorado film school to just be like you know like what if i you know tried to, you know it's like I, I tried to do the kind of backdoor way of like writing film music for other people's films but it's like you know, you, you need someone who's made a film in order to do that, you know, and, and, and trying to find people who, who want to work with you. And, and it's so funny too, because you look at the field and it's like, oh, there's a filmmaker who, who says like, oh, you composer, I'm going to give you money to write music. And then here's me being like, please let me write music for your movie, you know? And, and it's like, no, you know, it's like, it's such a weird, you know, and, and, you know, it's, it's, it's so backwards, you know, and it's, I mean, I think a lot of music is like that, you know, people, I think in general nowadays take music for granted because there's such easy access to it. And, right. you know, even just what you're listening to, you know, um, you know, it's, and there are like so many places you can go to get free music for a movie. It's like, why would you pay someone to go through this whole process, you know? And so, I mean, on the one hand I get it, but it's like, yeah, you look at all these, you know, all of the big heavy hitter filmmakers. And I feel like a lot of them will kind of gush over their film composer that they work with, you know? And it's like, you know, you look at kind of younger filmmakers, it's like, hey, don't you, don't you watch the same documentaries I watch where this, this filmmaker's gushing over this composer? Like, I could be that composer for you. Like, what the hell? It's like, no, I'll just go to some stock music or whatever, you know? And it's like, oh, okay, sure. Um, so like, yeah, like a lot of my thought was like, well, maybe if I learned more about the process myself, I could just do it myself, you know, and learn more about those technical things. And, you know, and, um, or even just like screenwriting, you know, like, you know, I, I you know, we, we've talked about before, like I've written stuff, I've experimented with stories, but it's like, I don't know how to write a screenplay specifically, you know, like what, what you're supposed to have on the page, how it's supposed to be formatted. You know, it's like, I can have an idea, like have a story, but to like, make it an actual screenplay and and I do feel like I do feel I, I do think visually a lot of the time like when I'm you know coming up with a story in my head a lot of times I'm seeing it played out as if it's a movie already you know right. like that's a lot of how I'm kind of experiencing it so it's like you know to me I'm kind of like well it makes sense that this should be a film then but I don't know how to put it on a page to give to other people to say okay you read this the way it was in my head <laughs> yeah and it, I and I, I have a bad taste in my mouth about screenplay writers because when we were doing a, a, it was like a workshop in undergrad where it was creative writing, and this fucking dude was like in the film program at DU, like which is a joke because all of the courses for the undergrad are the same for the the masters. They didn't even have like oh weird. So it was like a tiny ass program you didn't get into like fucking uh new york state or any of like the film schools right like right. you got into du's film school calm calm down right but he was like so it was so undergrad and like so unwilling to have any kind of input or critique of his work 
and it wasn't like we were being shitty about it we were just like trying to engage it's like his whole posture was you don't take script writing so you don't know what the fuck you're talking about mm. which is like so counterproductive to like getting like it, it was like he was an old uh, upperclassman who was required to take this thing and he didn't want to fucking be there like it just I have a whole bunch of like horror stories from like those those creative writing workshops where it's just like people being really shitty and like mm-hmm. not really using it as the gift that it was like have collaboration and feedback without any kind of ego because that was the whole I mean I've talked about that before but like and at a certain point it's just like go do it like I feel like every time we talk about filmmaking it's like we should just go do it because we could go do it like we could do it less now than we did before but like i could go and find some weird abandoned building and film like weird stuff and cut it together and put flashes of like uh (laughs) what uh (laughs) i don't know like go through a a rundown abandoned building and like stuff falling off the top and be like obamacare quest like just do (laughs) like really fucking and absurdist stuff and like like make it a joke and be like punk rock and bullshit and like just have fun with it like i don't know i feel like there's there's a a lot of toffee nosed like up up uppityness to filmmaking which i think certain parts of it are 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 earned but like it's also like kevin smith could make a fucking movie that dude is the same dude he's always been like (laughs) he's the dude who works at the stop and shop right next to the fucking movie uh uh rental place like the, yeah he if he could make a movie like we could all make a movie like he thinks his stories and he talks is very conversational like i'm not to talk down to him i think that's the brilliance of clerks is like it make it's a student film but it's like the best not the best student film but it's it's like the most conversational of that kind of genre it's in black and white it has these chapter headings mm. there's a dude named dante it's like referencing like the inferno but it's all blowjob jokes. Like mm-hmm. it, I, I don't know. I, I think that's another thing that's really stressful about this time in history, in terms of content. Is like everybody has a YouTube channel, everybody has a Twitter account, everybody like right. everybody can generate content, and it's never been easier to make stuff like this. Yeah, and other people are just doing it. Like if if somebody can have a blog, like a video blog, and they put like lo-fi beats over it and skateboard from the coffee shop to the laundromat and back and then talk about their life. And that's content that's consumable. Like I could go out there with my camera phone and shoot some weird ass shit and just like express myself that way. Like there's, there's, there's nothing holding me back from doing except like the, the imposter syndrome and like Mm. COVID COVID is the main thing. We're going to use that as the bogeyman for a long time. Like, yeah, I, well, and, and I feel like the, the advantage of COVID is like, <laughs> okay, if this is a thing you want to do, like make your plans now, right? you know, get, get, get your shit together. So when it's over, you can kind of take the action. I'm speaking to, you know, myself, not to you. Like, no, in it's, terms it's of, definitely you know, me too. Action. I have that worry yeah. where it's like, I, I keep saying like, I want to do all these things. I want to go to fucking, I never wanted to be on a, 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 a beer trivia night at a pub but i want to do that so fucking bad now like just to have something to like go out to the club go to fucking chilies i want to go to chilies right. so bad i know i've said that a million times <laughs> but like it, it's i my worry is 
before COVID, I was this homebody-ish, but now I can't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. And I'm worried that because it's been COVID for so long, I'm not going to to be motivated. Like, that's the thing is like wanting to have that spark is like, remember when you couldn't go do this? Like, yeah, now you can. Now it's your excuse. <laughs> we used to yeah. breathe on and around each other all yeah. the time. All the time, Tim. <laughs> what is that? I, I used to eat in a public place. I mean, I mean, I think one of the differences that it, it sounds like at least, you know, specifically for this is that I mean, I know, I know for me, one of the things is that I, I have a hard time with like the spontaneity of like what you're talking about. And I, I mean, I feel like I, I, I like stuff like that. Like I, I'm, I would watch something like that, but I have a hard time wrapping my brain around how I would just like get my camera and go out and do that. Like I, I, I would have a need to have some sort of narrative, even if it's simple, even if it's just like, why am I taking my skateboard to the seven? You know, and it's like, and that's just for, for me is what I want to do. So I know, I mean, I think for me, what I need is I need, I need a story. I mean, that's more my, my thing, you know, like that, that for me, I, I do appreciate the visual aspect of, of movies and slash films, whatever, you know, type you're referring to, but and I think that's something I've come to find is that what what makes or break makes or breaks a film, you know, the reason why Clerks is a better film than Transformers is <laughs> is the story in Clerks is better than the story in Transformers. You know, like <laughs> Clerks isn't black and white, it's just a bunch of people just hanging out. Transformers has a huge budget to have all these, you know, robots turning into cars, but the story's fucking stupid, you know. So th there's no way that's gonna be a good film. Whereas with Clerks, like like, yeah, it doesn't need any frills because the story is what carries it. And I think for me, that's kind of, you know, and, and I think as I've gotten older too, like when I was younger, I probably would have loved Transformers, you know, because I wasn't thinking as much about story. But I know that as I've, I've gotten older, my tastes have changed. Like that's what I'm more concerned, you know, sometimes even like more so than music, you know, like sometimes I'll watch a film and be like, oh my God, this was my favorite film because the story was amazing. Oh, do you like the music? I can't remember any of the music, <laughs> you know, like, you know, I'll be, you know, enthralled with the story sometimes more so than the music. So, so I think that's a big part of it is like, I, I think for me, I would need to be like, okay, this is the story. It doesn't have to be like a script. It doesn't have to be like polished screenplay, but it has to be enough to get us through. Like, why are we doing this? What's our beginning, middle and end, you know? Um, so I think for me, that's, that's kind of what, what would be the first step with me? And I've also found the other part that I've found is that um, I think to really stick with a project that has to be something that you're interested in enough where you're willing to spend a long time with it, you know, cause I've done, I've, I've started a lot of projects and then I get bored with them because it's like this, this spark of inspiration is like, Ooh, this could be really cool. But once you get into the, the dirt with it, it's like, okay, why am I doing this? You know? And I think for me, like, I think that carries through into the, the movie part of it is like, if I'm going to ask people to stand around and waste their time making my movie, I have to believe it's worth it, you know, for them to be spending their time. And then I have to believe that whatever I footage I capture, I'm going to have to sit around and edit that. So I'm going to want to, you know, I'm going to want to live in that, that dialogue and that scene, you know, and, and the visuals come into that point first, but, but yeah, it's like, if I'm going to write something, it has to be something good enough for me to want to live in every minute of that world. Um, 
and, and I mean, I wish, I wish I could just sort of step outside of that and be like, yeah, I'm just going to, you know, set up some Lego minifigures in my camera and just make them have a stupid conversation about nothing and be like, here's this video I made. But like, I, I'm going to hate that. Like I I'm, you know, I'm not going to be interested in that. Why do I expect other people to be interested in it? You know? Um, and, and, you know, and you're right too about the type of content that is out there. There is a lot of stupid stuff that people will like for some reason. Um, but like part of it's also like, I don't know that I would like that. So I don't know that that's the type of stupid content I would want to make. I mean, there's, there's stupid content I would want to make, you know, but it's a different kind of stupid, you know? Um, See, that's the thing. It does not take much to entertain me, right? Like I was talking to Zeke the other day about like, we really like unboxing videos. Like when I was I starting see that, to get yeah. back into Yu-Gi-Oh cards, I was like, yeah, open the packs. You spent all this money. Let's see what you got. Like, I love that for like hype beast, like mystery boxes is like, what did you get from Supreme and Jordan today? Like, that's not a story. That's somebody who spent some money or had a sponsorship and is opening a box for me. It doesn't take much to entertain me. I don't dislike like lifestyle blogs because it's like, okay, you have a perspective. You're way too pretty. You have way too much money. You get to live your life, but it's fun to watch you skateboard while high, like, like low five beats are playing in the background. Like I, I, I wasn't trying to disparage any of that stuff, but it's like, I can just make stuff like, and I think that's, I think in my head with like the stuff I've been into lately has just been like, industrial facades and really slow and really like boring like like they're doing stuff that's dynamic and they put but it's like if you film the location the content will come is what i'm thinking in my head is like find these weird derelict places and even if you have just like a monologue going over them telling a story like I, i'm trying to think of like legit uh was it la jete which is the uh uh it's like all photographs film that inspired um, 12 Monkeys. Oh, okay. Um, just like really austere, really weird, and just like, just create, see what you can do. And that's kind of what I'm, I'm a lot of stuff that I mess with ends up like stuff comes about by accident. We were talking about with uh, beat making where it's like, Okay, make a pattern on the drum pad in in the interface and see what it sounds like yeah. and play with it and just kind of like and that's the thing like not wanting to it's really easy to try and paint like pollock after seeing what pollock's done right like not yeah. wanting to be like that crass and like i don't know we're all some of our own influences i'm talking myself into a, a hole and not wanting to do anything as a result of it but just like i i'm so what I have been interested in in films have been like locate. Maybe that's the thing is like scouting locations becomes the inspiration for the story. Of like, okay, if I find this place, what does that engender? Maybe that's right. the thing. I'm just so desperate to be somewhere else outside these four <laughs> walls that it's like, if I go there, the ideas will be there and they'll yeah. come into my brain. I mean, I mean, they might. And that's the thing is like, I'm not trying to disparage what you want. No, 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 to do. No, no, I'm more saying a, for me, that's why yeah. I think I couldn't do that. But yeah, if that's where your inspiration is, then yeah, go there. I mean, if you go there now by yourself, no one's going to get you sick. You know, like right. that's the thing you're, you, you know, you, you could do that, you know? Um, and, and that's the thing too. I mean, when I, another, <laughs> another project that I was trying to do when I was at college is there was a, um, I wanted to write a horror film about the fine arts building that, that I spent all my time in. 
because um, it was it was designed by some guy from RISD and his claim to fame was you know there were, there wasn't a right angle in the place. Right. So like I it was just you telling yeah. you this. And I that's another one. I have all this footage somewhere and it's like, I, you know, I'll, I'll try to find it someday, but it's like, it looked really cool. And I, and I was basically writing the story around all of the different areas. Like, oh, we walked down this. Oh, look how creepy this hall was. Okay. So why is the person walking down this hall? Okay. Because of this. And, oh, look, you can have someone standing outside and you barely see their shadow and, you know, see it out of the corner, you know, and, and like, you know, there were just all these ideas. And I think I was, I was like working on it with like, two other friends you know in, in different capacities but like and i think i even tried to continue writing this the, this the script for it after i graduated thinking well maybe i could just always go back there someday and do it but it wasn't you know i think the inspiration wasn't there i think um, i had a, a friend of mine read it who was an actress and she was kind of like well you know what's what's the character's motivations and it's just and and it, it was kind of interesting too because it's like i mean you know i had written a motivation that i thought was compelling enough but it wasn't compelling enough. But then again, maybe it was because I, my reason for doing it was just to have an excuse to get them to walk through the building. Like I knew that that's what I wanted them to do. But, and, you know, and I think that's part of it too, is like, I'm not, I, I'm a good enough writer to write what I want to write. But if someone sort of gives me, I guess, a goal or something I'm trying to achieve, I don't know that I can necessarily do that. I'm not, I'm not comfortable enough with writing to be able to be like, oh, okay, I need to redo this, you know? And, and that was the thing too, is it wasn't, I wasn't trying to make it like Citizen Kane, <laughs> you know, it was just, it's, 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 I just want people to walk through this building to see how creepy it is. You know, that was the the main focus. And I kind of came up with this little ghost story as, as incentive for that, you know, and, and I had a few kind of cool shots in mind and reasons for like where the ghosts came from and who they are and this and that, you know, and I mean, to me that worked, you know, to me, that was enough of a reason, but beyond that, it's like, I couldn't imagine, like, I don't know, like, because basically what it was, was uh, it was, so it was after rehearsal on a Friday and this, it's like a, a, a rock band that was supposed to rehearse at the fine arts center, but they were going to go out to get dinner first. But one of them hang, like hung back. Cause he's like, Oh, I have some, you know, composing to do, you know, I always write myself into all my stories. Um, so while the rest of the band goes out to have dinner, he stays there, falls asleep and sort of wakes up being like, Oh, where the hell are they? And then goes downstairs and it's like, oh, they're there. Okay, let's start our rehearsal. So they start rehearsing and there was this going to be this really cool shot of everybody playing their instruments and the camera kind of pans around the singer. And then as you kind of circle back around, everybody's gone. And it's like, where, where the hell was everybody? You know, so he, so he starts looking for all the band members who were just there with him, rehearsing with him. So that was my motivation. Like you're rehearsing with four other people and all of a sudden they disappear. Wouldn't you go looking for them? And then, sure. you know, he would walk out and, oh, look, there's so-and-so down the hall. Walk down that hallway. By the time he gets there, they're not there. Oh, now you're down this hall. Okay, I'm going to keep walking. And basically went on this whole tour, like, because you would get to a corner and be like, where is everybody? Oh, there's my bandmate. Let me go follow them. And turns out they all died in a car accident and they're ghosts. And now they're haunting the, the, the fine arts building. And that's sort of why they were there, you know, so like, Let's and make uh, that shit what are we oh yeah. my god get those tapes and let's and, do it let's just fucking do it and the, the cool thing we so did too there, there was always like all these little things because we're, we're also and when i was doing test footage for it like i had there was another friend of mine who was also a filmmaker he actually did this short animated film that i did a score to like it was my first film score that i did and then another friend of mine who was like my roommate like kind of sort of partner in crime through like all of my undergrad um so 
it was the two of us. And what, what I would do is I would film and one person would be walking, like sort of playing the character, but we'd always, in every scene, we'd have the other person hidden somewhere. So they're like this ghost that like you would see out of the corner of your eye as this person's walk. you know, it's like, they would be like standing outside and you couldn't see them because of the reflections. But as you would walk past, you'd get the barest glimpse right before they went out of frame of, oh, was that just someone's, you know? And that was sort of part of the thing too, is that there was always going to be the one person you're, you know, there'd be like the main character, the person they're following who you can obviously see, but at least one other person hidden somewhere in one of these corners that you would just catch out of the corner of your eye. And um, it was just fun. It was like fun. It was creepy. We we're going to do it in black and white. We went into the theater department and actually like took one of the, um, one of the fluorescent lights and like turned it so that it was actually flickering and made it look even creepier. And they had this weird hallway in the theater department where you'd walk down, there were stairs down, like three stairs down, the hall continued and then three stairs up. So from one end of the hall, you couldn't quite see the end of that hallway because it dipped underground a little bit and then came back up, which I thought was creepy as fuck. That's so it's like, you might look and see, oh, look, there's the bottom of two someone's feet. I don't know who it is, but I'm going to follow. And then by the time you get there, they're gone. Of course, you know, that was, that was the, that was the story. That was the whole thing. Um, That's awesome, man. Like, so, but, but again, like I wanted to have a reason to get the people there and, and, you know, to be organized and say, okay, this is, this is what we're doing. We're shooting this scene and, you know, you're doing this, you're doing this, you're hiding here, you know, and at any point in time, yeah, we only needed three or four people, but I wanted to be able to know, okay, if we have these people, here's who we're following, here's who we're doing this, you know, um, at one point, I think I was going to have two that there was a bunch of percussion music playing and you open the percussion closet and there's no one in there, nothing happening. So it was like, you know, this ghosty music, but it was like an excuse to be like, okay, let's get all the music from the percussion, all the instruments from the percussion closet, put it on stage, record this giant percussion ensemble that's going to play, you know, come, like it's coming from this closet, you know? And so like things like that were also going to happen. I think at one point there's going to be a violinist playing up near one of the, the music offices, but she was actually a person and it was just kind of like, she was just a music student who was there at night, late at night playing, but to add to the eeriness of like, oh my God, I'm hearing violin music. And it, that sort of like uh, bait and switch where it's like, no, that's just a person playing violin, you know? Okay, maybe there aren't ghosts. Maybe there's nothing supernatural happening. Also the fact that some of the professors at URI had told me that they had heard things like late at night. Like one of my professors, I was like, oh, do you know if there are ghosts here? And he's like, yeah, I could name them. And then another guy was like, he was, you know, he's like, yeah, I was here late one night working on, you know, something that he was trying to put together. I think, I think he was applying for tenure maybe or something like that. And it was like six o'clock in the morning and I know everyone had left. And I was the only one in the building and I was hearing chairs moving around upstairs. So it's like, that's this is the perfect place to film a horror movie. That's amazing. Like, that's the thing. Like it's, I, th I think a lot of your like wanting to have prep before is because you've written so many things as they were being filmed. So it was like, we never, it never finished. So you want to be prepared going in the next time that that makes total sense. Yeah. And I think even just, you know, as a musician and as a composer, that's something that's also kind of thrown down your throat, you know, especially like, you know, as a, as a wannabe film composer, you can't show up when they have this, you know, orchestra of 120 musicians and be like, let's just kind of jam and see what happens, you know, like, fuck that. Like you better have your shit together, you know? Um, so it's, you know, it's that desire to like, you know, I, I don't want to waste people's time. Like I want to be professional, even if it's something that I'm doing as a hobby, I want to be as professional as possible and, you know, and have my, my shit squared away. You know, I am fascinated with like specific techniques. Like I don't understand how 
you're able to capture things in a mirror and not have the fucking camera in the frame, you know, or the lighting rig or the mics or any of that stuff. Like I am fascinated by like reflection. Um, That's why a big part of why I liked playtime was like so much of that Jacques Tati film is reflected surfaces and projections of reflections and all of the gags are kind of defend like a lot of the gags are dependent upon panes of glass and mm. capturing those and like just the orchestration of like where the camera has to be so you can see what you're intending and right. not the camera and i'm like i'm fascinated by like the tricks with mirrors where you put one mirror on one side and the other and they just create hallways into infinity oh, yeah. like that's something i want to incorporate into the uh have a nice trip see you next fall like the idea of that corridor that's full of these tripping feet like how to do like i can see it in my head right but i really want to figure out a way i think that's another thing like it's a way to put what you can only see in your head in reality or like trick the mind into seeing that um and i'm fascinated with like lighting and like gels and making like everything and wash and blues and like i don't know like i keep seeing things that i'm really fascinated by a lot of it has to do with like derelict industrial landscapes and like which i think is 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 a very like it's probably a hacky thing it's like everybody does that at some point in their like budding film career or like studying Mm -hmm. but like it makes me happy to think about like this this yeah I don't know like it's a very easy thing to find because industrialized America has a lot of waste dumps and a lot of buildings that have been repossessed and like just kind of like this crumb crumbling edifice and that's a great backdrop for sci-fi or a modern commentary or something that's really punk rock and like is America great yet like <laughs> I don't know like that I do that voice but like that kind of like I I watched this, I I had this in my ear. It was an old BBC show where like they did um, plays on British TV. And it was this play with uh, Tim Curry plays an American filmmaker from New York who goes and he stays with this British couple. And one of them's like a a royal... shakespeare theater actor and his wife and he basically just like upsets the balance in their marriage and fucks up their relationship and like tears it just by being there but like he's he's like this very like it's so funny to see tim curry play an american and just like filmmaker and talking about like he's just capturing people as it like in i don't know if i'm just like that's in my head i'm like just go out and film shit and you can put it together at some point like I can't put anything together now. I was gonna so this it just come to me like when we were talking about like skateboarding and like the the um the life blogging. I've been taking like video of skateboarding because I was like, oh, I've gone this far. I can go down this hill. And like I, I was like documenting that way. Um, and also just like posting it on Instagram. But I have a film of me falling. <laughs> nice. Cause I had it pointed down and it was like and it it stayed going. And I and I'm walking away, and you can hear my breath, and just kind of like, 
nobody saw that. I didn't say that, but it's basically like that. It's just like, if I walk away breathing and nothing is broken, we're okay. Like just shit like that. Like, I don't know, something about like the document documenting of moments in my life is also becoming something that like, because we do the zoom stuff, like, right. I have a video of all of the podcasts like that hasn't gone to YouTube. Eventually some form of it will go to YouTube. I would hope, but like, sometimes I just throw it on. It's just like that. That's, I didn't direct that, but like, I get to see these little moments. It's not just audio. I get to see like the reaction of saying something or like a joke that doesn't land or something like, I don't know. A lot of, a lot of the content, a lot of stuff I'm producing is inadvertently cinematic. (laughs) Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, let, let's see what we can do when it's deliberate. And well, you, you know, and that's part of it too, is like, I think we, we all take in stuff differently and we all like learn stuff differently. So maybe like that, you know, maybe that's the thing is you, maybe you need those visuals insp- for inspiration. Maybe you'd be able to like, after doing that footage or, you know, taking those pictures, it's like, oh, wait, a story came to me that involves these and here's how to get from here to here, you know? And, um, you know, and, and I mean, like, I, I tend to be very visual a lot of the time, like, you know, which is weird for a musician, you know, but like, you know, like, yeah, like I said, when I'm writing, I think visually, I like, I think of what the movie looks like in my head, you know, um, and, you know, and that's the thing, to be honest, like, when I was doing that movie, like I said, I, I would take the footage that I edited and use that to kind of draw from it to, to sort of create the, the, the book or the script or the chapter or whatever. Same thing with that, that horror film. Like, you know, we were just kind of shooting footage, like, okay, walk down this hallway and you stand there. And then, you know, after the fact, I'm kind of piecing it together and describing that in the script, you know, it wasn't like I had the script done. Like we did some footage. We kind of had the idea of how we wanted this to work and we shot some scenes. We tried to keep them in an order. So it's like going from here to here, here to here, here to here. But then, yeah, it's like, if I was just going to sit down and kind of picture it in my mind and write the script, it would be a lot more difficult, but having that footage and be like, okay, describe what you're seeing. And that's, that's the scene, you know? So, I mean, you know, maybe that, maybe that's what you need as those visuals, you know, to, to you know maybe you'll go there and some random thing will happen that'll inspire the story so you know and that's not going to happen unless you go there and start taking pictures we always have these conversations way too late at night (laughs) yeah (laughs) i think that's something like that was something hard to recapture about when we would talk in the id card office was that like we would spark ideas and it would like carry me through the day Right, because right. right. it was like okay the second i get off of work or like i can go and i'll write something and i'll work on it and like the second i get off of work i'm inspired to do something whereas like it it's hard now where it's like it's nine o'clock at night right. i can't go out gallivant i mean i could but like i have a job <laughs> like it's one of those things where it's 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 the the cathartic selfish reason to do this podcast is to never have a shortage of this fire that we Mm. start in each other. Like that's the coolest thing about this. Like, obviously you're my friend and I love you and I love talking to you, but like the, 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 the sparks that start fire of creativity between us is like huge. And so like, I don't know that I get that anywhere else. And it's, it's, it's like, it's really cool. And it, it, we, I just need to, blackout for the podcast and then listen to it in the morning and the next day <laughs> so yeah, there you go. i can yeah. get it started 
Well, yeah. Like that's the thing is like, now I'm thinking like, should I dig up that screenplay and go through it again and see what can happen? You know? Cause that was what I was thinking is like, I mean, that building's still there. Like people do that all the time where they're like, Oh, we want to film, you know, we want to make a film in this building. Like, you know, and I mean, it's a school. So over the summer, there isn't much happening. So I like always had the dream of if I finish this and, and get it together and get some sort of a budget, like maybe talk to them and be like, Hey, can I come film this in your building, you know, and whatever. And I mean, I think there are probably still some of the faculty there who, who know me from when I was a student, you know, and I mean, you know, a lot of it, it would be an ordeal because we'd have to like, first of all, it'd be, have to be safe to fly. We'd have to fly back there. And it's like, am I bringing people from Colorado to go act in it? Or am I finding people in Rhode Island who are already there? You know, like, yeah. So like, you know, like how are we doing this? You know, and there's, there are the easy parts as far as like walking through, but then there's also like, you know, okay, we have to put this band together. We have to like, you know, and you know, other, other details that aren't fun, you know, kind of setting up the story isn't as fun as walking around looking at all the creepy angles, you know? And, um, but, you know, and, and, you know, like I said, it's always been in the back of my mind that maybe someday it could happen, you know? And, and I, I think it, you know, maybe where I go wrong is it's like, you know, kind of like what we've joked about, you know, and I was about to say this when you were, you know, like, yeah, we're, we're hoping someone will listen to this podcast and just hire us to make creative content, you know, like, like, okay, here's this thing. I'm going to pay you, you know, this much money, like follow through on this idea you have. And then I'm going to take a huge cut because I financed it. And it's like, yeah, that's fine. Sure. Like whatever, you know, <laughs> um, but like, I think, unfortunately that doesn't happen. I think that's why a lot of the time, yeah, you do have to like finance stuff yourself. And it's, yeah. So it's like, if I'm going to do this, it's like, you know, I can maybe put a call out to people like, Hey, is anyone interested? Like, will we do this for free? I think, you know, there were years ago, I, I start, tried to start an ensemble with some of my friends and I would make them Mac and cheese, you know, come over and we'll rehearse and we'll eat Mac and cheese, you know? And, and that was, and you know, it was great. It was fun for a while, but it was also kind of like, you know, again, I think that was one of those examples where I didn't have enough of a plan. And I feel like we didn't get as much done as I would have liked because I, I wasn't prepared enough to give them a good enough idea of what I was expecting to happen, you know? Um, so yeah, maybe that's one of those cases where that came from, or just, you know, just like I said, in general, being a composer and a musician, you know, it's like, you don't want to show up. Like, I don't want to show up where someone's like, I, I don't know, we're just going to see what happens. It's like, no, my time is valuable. Like either, you know, we're, we're doing something or I'm leaving, you know, but yeah, I mean, it would, and, and that's one of the reasons too, why I wanted to collaborate with friends of mine. You know, that's a different story. If, if it's a collab, like I actually, uh, there was a, a while I was playing drum set in a band and I was like charging the guy because it's like, I didn't know who this guy was, but he needed a drummer. And it was like, you know, and I think he was just kind of confused by the whole thing. Like, what the fuck? Like, you're supposed to just be in a band for fun. It's like, this isn't fun for me. This is work. I don't know you. I don't, you know, I don't know your music. This isn't something I'm invested in. So it's like, if you want to pay me to be your drummer, I'll do it. But it's like, I'm not going to, you know, it's not like a group of friends where we're all hanging out and we happen to all play music together, you know, like, right. and I think that's a thing I've always been craving too, is to be able to just be like, oh, you know, even if we didn't get a lot accomplished, we still hung out and had a good time with each other, you know, and, and that's, that's why I picked the people who were in film club. It was my friends, like not, people who I've met who are filmmakers and know a lot about filmmaking who I don't particularly like spending time with <laughs> was my friends who are vaguely creative in some way, shape or form, who it's like, maybe we can make something happen, you know, and, and nothing really happened, but I enjoyed spending time with everybody, you know, like that part was great. Going to IHOP was great, you know, yeah. um, when John dared me to drink a spoonful <laughs> of syrup was, you know, it was great. Um, 
So, so I don't know. I think that's some, that's sometimes the part of the problem with me is I'm torn between like, I want to hang out with my friends and do creative things with my friends, but sometimes my friends, you know, but my friends are who they are. They don't happen to be the, the, the person I need for the job I need to get done. Right. So I, I, maybe that's part of it is I should separate the two. Like if you want to hang out with your friends, hang out with your friends. If you want to get something done, hire the people who will get that done, you know, like, you know, suck it up, spend the money on hiring someone who's a professional at what you want to get done. Maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Um, but sometimes I feel like that's, that's where I go wrong sometimes. And, you know, or, you know, be friends with someone who is already a filmmaker, which, I mean, that's one of the things too, the, the people I haven't been involved with, like I, a lot of them, I do have good, good relationships, good friendships with, you know, so it is, it is kind of cool, but it's also like, it's because they're doing their thing. Like, like, in other words, I, I I'm not going to like, be like, Hey, Emil do this thing for me. You know, it's like, he, he does the Lego stuff because that's what he wants to do. And I want to do music for that, you know, but it's like, I can't just sort of tell him to be like, here's my script. Here's a two hour script, make a two hour Lego animated film on my script. Like, you know, like I, I wouldn't expect him to do that for free anyway, you know? Right. Um, so so I think that's sometimes that's what I've seen. The problem is, is like, as I've, you know, now that we're older, I think we're in that realm of people want to get paid for their time. You know, it's not like when you're a kid and we're just hanging out and having fun and doing things. And, you know, so, you know, and, and like I said, I'm still up for doing creative things with my friends, but um, yeah, sometimes I think what maybe what we need to get done kind of goes outside of the scope of what our friends can do. So I don't know. But yeah, you should still go to those abandoned places and take pictures of. <laughs> I'm also ruminating on this other world where it's like, again, like so much of my life and my my dissatisfaction with my output or like my creative process is like, if I didn't want to do these things, if I didn't want to create, I'd be so much happier <laughs> because yeah. it wouldn't be a part of my brain. Like a, another person could watch all these films and just be like, content to have it mm -hmm. in their brain of like how cool but yeah. i want to interact with it i want to be inside it i want to like deconstruct it i want to try and imitate it like it, it it's it's the worst <laughs> yeah it's like, no yeah it's it's definitely yeah it's definitely a curse like you you can't just go through life the way other people do yeah like you said where you could just take something in and be like that was nice and then go on with your day you know, it's like, it, like everything you see that's inspiring, like infects you, you know, and it's like, and you can't do anything about it until you do something with it, you know, and it's just like, I, I don't know that I could live the other way. I've, honestly, obviously, like, yeah. it, it's so much like, how dull, right? Like not to be inspired yeah. by things like that, not to want to try those things. Like, right. it, it's just like, it's a special kind of crazy, right? <laughs> to, to be like, I want to try this thing and I'll probably fit. And that's the thing. Like it's a constant battle with yourself. of like, I might fit, like you just have to do it and it exercise that demon in a certain sense. Like maybe it doesn't fit, pan out. Maybe it gets halfway done. Like, but like, at least like you're trying something. I like, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you're making me think I should revisit those old things because, like, I mean, I tried them and it more has regret because I never finished. So it's not, you know, and that's, I, I think that's the thing. So fucking bad. Is, yeah, like, I'll, I'll, I'll hunt it down. It may take a while. Like I said, a lot of it may be at my mom's house on actual like CD ROMs or whatever. Um, I think part of it too is the computer I was editing it with. 
I gave it to my sister mm. and I think it got a virus. So like, you know, it's one of those things where like some of the stuff might be there, but it's gone. But I think I saved. And like I said, I still have all the original tapes of all the footage. So I could like get my camera, get the tapes, upload them to my new computer, actually have like the stuff stored there. Um, I think at some point I had an external hard drive that had all the stuff saved. Actually, that's probably the best bet. If I can get that external hard drive, I think that has at least all of the, the footage so that I could like just copy it over and re-edit it. So that, that'll be my homework next time I'm in Rhode Island is to find that and bring it back with me and see if we can make something out of that. That'd be but, some Patreon YouTube like content. Yeah. Like if we could share screen and like watch it together and like yeah. directors I mean, to be, commentary for yeah. the scenes that are never made. I so sick. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I don't know if, if everyone in those would agree for content, agree to that because that was, yeah. you know, there's, well, it's funny too, because there's, there's like one of the things where I said, like kind of reality was melding with it. Uh, like there, there's like a, um, yeah, one of the party scenes that we did, like we shot some footage, but then it was just a party. So we're all just kind of partying. And I was like, well, this is, is this kind of the movie too, or is this part? And it was, it's, well, uh, so I'll give you a little hint. So again, it's, it's, it's an auto, it's autobiographical. Um, It's also, and I think the way I've, when I've talked about turning it into a book, the way I I refer to it is my fictional autobiography. Mm. So it's like me as a character, but again, it's with the the layer of metaphor over it, but it's metaphor that represents stuff that, that was actually real. So it's not like, fictional in terms of like oh this is all fake it's 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 all representational it's all metaphorical but it's still me and it's like so basically an exaggerated version of what happened so the the fictional version involves vampires so that's that's sort of part of what goes into it and um and they're they're definitely yeah there there there's some scenes from this party that were filmed in sort of night vision with nine inch nails oh. playing in the background and it's just like <laughs> is this is this real life is this the movie was this actually my life or is it you know and it's like it, it all just starts to kind of like because that was the sort of the point it all took place while i was in college it was just there were different things happening in the um in the film that i sort of fabricated but the more i was filming it the more it was sort of affecting my real life and then the more the things that was happening i was writing it into okay in this scene we're going to do this instead and it you know so it's yeah it's it, I, I yeah i do want to do the documentary someday about that that would be maybe that maybe that's where to start you know that that's sort of like here's this half hour documentary and people are like what is this for i want to see this film well here sign up for my patreon give me some money and then i'll make the we'll film make the film <laughs> yeah but isn't this about making the film that was one attempt <laughs> this will right, be yeah. so much better with your help <laughs> yeah so So, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I think, and I don't know, I guess that's a lot of, you know, what I've been thinking about lately, you know, like I said, having the time being at home because of COVID, it's like, I could, I could write the stuff I want to write, you know, it's like, I I could have the time. I think what gets me down a lot of the time is I have all the the new projects I want to work on, plus all these old projects I never finished. And it's like, what, what do I do? Like, which one do I focus on that has maybe a chance of getting somewhere and being the thing, the first thing that kind of gets out there and says, okay, I have this thing I can point to and that might lead to another thing or whatever, you know? So. Well, I feel like we described a lot of ideas that go absolutely nowhere, but hopefully they, they will. Right. And we had that at the beginning with the the nomenclature. So I think, I think we're good. Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) That's about enough of that. And here's Tim with the final word picture
<laughs> the kid stays in the picture. <laughs> we'll see you next Never time. Never picture. <laughs> <laughs>